What's up, RPG friends? It's Greg back on the mic for episode 165, and I'm just going to jump right in the news because we got a lot to talk about this episode. We've had a whole bundle of reviews from the reviews team, starting off with an RPG fan editor's choice from Audra Bowling on Nightshade. It's a great visual novel that you can check out on the Nintendo Switch or on Windows, and yeah, she just had a lot to say about how great the story is despite some of the grammar and such in the translation. Uh, moving on though, on the last episode I was talking about how Jonathan Logan has been focusing a lot on Star Wars The Knights of the Old Republic. He gave this Bioware Classic an editor's choice, which shows that this game clearly has withstood the test of time and created a solid foundation for a lot of Bioware's RPGs that we really hope they can get back to. Alana uh, Haggs was all over a new adventure game called Tardy that you can find on the Switch. Uh, she kind of seems lukewarm on it, but otherwise it stands up to be a really nicely presented game. And finally, insert a record scratch, which, I mean, I know I could do because I'm editing the episode, but I say this because Patrick Gann reviewed something that wasn't a soundtrack. Oh my gosh. He was all over Psychedelica of the Black Butterfly, a visual novel, that came out from Idea Factory and uh, seems largely positive on it. It looks like a really nice game despite having a bit of a weak story to it all. So give it a read and see what you think of that as well. We've got another video review from our team. This one was covering Jonathan Logan's uh, SteamWorld Quest Hand of Gilgamesh review. And he came to the mic and put down his lovely voice for us and David put together the video and now we've got this wonderful video review for you to check out on our YouTube page. Other exciting things include an early access preview done by Joe Chop of Deck of Ashes. It seems like a neat spin on the roguelike formula by throwing in a card-driven battle system where your cards kind of get burnt out as you go along, hence the whole Deck of Ashes kind of thing. It's come through as early access on Steam, so feel free to check out what he had to say about it and see uh, if this is one you should keep your eye on. Over in the Features Department, Tina Ola's Crowdfunding Chronicles continues as she uh, does an inexhaustive look at uh, everything that's coming through being funded by the crowds. If you haven't been keeping up with Crowdfunding Chronicles, I definitely recommend the article series. Just, there's so much out there to see from new and independent developers that it's hard to follow, and with Tina doing the job for us, it's never been easier just to find out what cool games are on the horizon. So thanks, Tina. And also, the Knights of the Old Republic coverage continues. Uh, we had Jonathan's review, as I just spoke of, of the game itself. Last episode, I talked about the fact that he covered the Boss Fight Books series, and he spoke with Alex Kane, who was the author of Boss Fight Books, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. John had a great chat with him back around mid-May, so have a look at what was talked about there and kind of unpack the book with him. And you didn't think you were going to get away without one music review by Patrick Gann, because that's right, I do have one. It's for Psychedelica of the Black Butterfly's original soundtrack. So not only did he cover the game, he also dove into the soundtrack for us, and it's got some really lovely selections on it. So have a read, see if the uh, soundtrack's up your alley, and give it a listen. And that, folks, is all of it. So without further ado, enjoy this next episode of Random Encounter. Hello folks, welcome back for another episode of Random Encounter. This week, every two weeks, whatever, I'm joined uh, by a couple of lovely folks for episode 165. My name is Greg Dalmage. You can find me at Greg Dalmage pretty much everywhere on the interwebs. G Dalmage on the old Discord, where I've had some lovely chats with folks. And I'm joined by Kaylin Argyros today. 
Hey guys, Lee and Cazero, pretty much everywhere. It's been a while, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I'm happy to be reunited with you again. We've been hosts at a distance. <laughs> yes. For the past little while. Oscillating through and not quite seeing each other. Ships passing in the podcast night. <laughs> That's so poetic. Weird imagery. Um, and then I also have Mike Solosi. Hey everyone, Mike Solosi at The Real Monsoon on Twitter. Uh, Monsoon Mike on Discord. Some variation of Monsoon or Mike or both on the internet. <laughs> Hashtag Monsoon, hashtag Mike, and you'll find him somewhere. That'll give you a bunch of very confusing weather reports, I think, if you do that search. <laughs> I am happy to have you back as well, and since we last talked to you, Mike, you've probably done, like, what, 30 episodes of Retro Encounter? Uh, I think episode 191 is coming this week, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, pretty soon we're at the Big Scary 200. Yeah, you are. You folks are trucking along, and you just had that quiz episode, which everyone's been enjoying. And if folks haven't listened to it, I'll plug it again at the end of the show. But go listen to it. Yep, lots, always lots to listen to on Retro Encounter every week, usually posted on Thursday or Friday. What was the hardest question? Uh, like, because you were coming up with them all yourself. Like, mm. did, did you struggle to make any other questions, or did you already have these all off the top of your head before you even started? putting the feelers out for the episode uh mostly i the hardest part was sort of coming up with themes for each round and then when i had an idea of uh of how to plan each round i would just i just you know wrote a bunch of things mostly from my expertise and then just tried to keep a diverse number of games being talked about even though i think there was three final fantasy 7 questions um eh. but the uh like writing them was uh and, and then fact checking them was not the hard part the hard part was figuring out how I wanted to execute it all. And uh, you want to know the hardest question? There was a question on the uh, 2004 computer RPG Sacred that no, that no one knew. Oh, jeepers. I do yeah. know that game. I barely remember what its box art looks like. Is it's, that the, has an angel on it? Yeah, the, the, an angel, is, a seraphim, is one of the eight playable classes, and it is yeah. a uh, it is a cool little Diablo, Diablo clone that I played a lot in college. So yeah, I did a question on that, and no one had any earthly idea what it was except Steph. But she wasn't. But she wasn't playing. She was co-hosting. So yeah, she wasn't allowed to answer. It didn't stop hey. her. It didn't stop her from almost answering anyway a couple times. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was really fun to record, and uh, and having fun was much more important than getting questions right because the, our our coworkers did not get a lot of questions right sometimes. <laughs> But you had a really good group of folks on there that I'm sure yeah. they yeah, all it was, had a blast it was, Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And we, we might do it again if uh, there's interest among staff and among the audience, but but which there might very well be. Maybe we could even like, field questions from the audience, so to speak. Who knows? Mm, sure, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm 100% certain that I'm better at writing questions than our audience. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge to the audience. Yeah. Mm. Well, they can get back to me when they've won multiple national championships in high school and college quiz bowl. So, yeah, sure. Woo! Shots fired. Uh, what have you been playing, folks, since I haven't talked to you in a long time? Uh, I know, Caitlin, you just wrapped up a big series that you felt you egregiously missed. Yeah, so I've been engaging in a series playthrough of pretty much every Trails game I can get my hands on. So I kind of marathon to the Sky games, finally. Are they all available? They are all available. Um, um, the, the three Sky games are. The, the two PSP games that came after the Sky trilogy are not. In English, anyway. Yeah, in, in English. Like, there's the three liberal Sky Sky games, and, those, and Caitlin just finished those, I'm guessing. And then there's the two Crossbell games, which were also PSP, PC, but separate characters and separate location from the Sky trilogy. Oh, gotcha. And so, yeah, sorry, you're saying, Caitlin, you did Sky Tales from the Sky, and then... Trails from in the Sky. Trails sorry, in the trails Sky. Trails from the Sky. Trails, yeah. Tales. Uh. 
To be Trails technical, I did say I was playing the the Sky Trilogy. I wasn't yeah. specifically referencing Crossbell, but anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, finished all three of those games because that was that was something I I tried to do a while back. I think before Cold Steel uh, came out here and got distracted and, and dropped, and then I played Cold Steel one and two and loved it. And now you know we have Cold Steel three coming out this fall, so I was like, I'm I need to you know. Bucket list. I gotta get through these games. And I did. FC, SC, and third. They are all wonderful games. I love them very much. I'm very happy that I finally, you know, got that done. And, and, you know, out there, there are Trails fans that are like saying, I told you so. Mm, I, I tried. <laughs> I, I bugged you about playing the first two for about a year or so. Yeah, you did. When you mentioned on the podcast that you, uh, that you hadn't, that you loved Cold Steel but hadn't tried them. Now it seems like I need to catch up too. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole first trilogy is great. I uh, I haven't finished third, but I adore FC and SC, especially especially SC. I think I like the second one more. Than SC the first. is yeah, you know FC is FC is a great game, but it does kind of serve as a prologue for most of the game. It, FC is setting the table, and SC is the meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you just power through them, or is there a lot of extra side stuff to do? Like how thorough were your playthroughs? Uh, I did just about everything. I didn't absolutely talk to every single npc every time because this is one of those series where everyone's got something to say and they change their dialogue after major events uh take place so you could spend hours just talking to all the townspeople and where you go but i i I talked to most people i ran into just because you know it's really great world building flavor text there's so much dialogue in this game yeah It's it's, it's an incredible amount it's like, uh, what was the the stats that, that Nisa has given for Cold Steel 3? It's like it dwarfs even like, you know, stuff like the Lord of the Rings trilogy and stuff like that. Like it's it's massive amounts of text, which is why localizing these games is no mean feat for any publisher, you know, XC, Nisa, whoever. I think I missed one side quest in FC, so I, I did not get max BP in that game. Oh. I did everything in SC, so I maxed BP, and I did, pretty sure I did all the doors in third, so I've, I've done, like, almost everything that a person can do in all three games. Oh, yeah, you're not messing around, yeah, because the initial, like, for example, the PlayStation 3 one was in 2012. The PSP one came out first in 2006 and didn't hit North America until, like, 2011. Yep. So they yeah. had a, a lot to do, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, and basically, Falcom released a PSP Legend of Heroes game every year from 2006 to 2010, and we just got the third of those five, which was Trails in the Sky third third chapter, I think, like, what, a year and a half, two years ago? It and, uh, was 2017? Yeah, all right, that, that sounds about right. And, um, that sounds right. But it was like, but yeah, um, the North American record for getting those was like, uh, First chapter in 2011, second chapter 2015, third chapter 2017. So it's we're a little behind, and it's unclear if those two crossbell games, which are Trails of Zero and Trails in the Blue, usually translated as, we, it's unclear if we'll ever get those. Uh, first Exceed and then Nisa are dedicated to re- releasing the entire Cold Steel set, it appears. Like Caitlin mentioned before, Cold Steel 3 comes out in North America soon, later this year. And I think Cold Steel 4 comes out in Japan around the same time, like later this year? No, Cold Steel 4 has been out in Japan. Oh, it's already out, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So we're, it, but it's just, there's just so much text, and they don't get the scripts until the games are already out in Japan. 
a lot so of the time. So we're still playing catch up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Falcom okay. well, tends we'll to get not them. assign localization until after the game is released in Japan, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks. But I'm guessing they just want to. Well, it's good, I guess, for gamers that they just want to focus the resources and make sure they get the best thing out. I guess. Well, you say that, but look what happened to the East Nine localization that Nisa did in 2017. Oh right, and that, is that the one that they went back and fixed? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. It wouldn't be Falcom doing the localization though. There's, there's. Yeah. I'm not sure if Kondo is given an explanation for why they they don't do you know like well and spoiler n- prevention maybe no well uh, I don't know why they give the scripts out late like Caitlin was mentioning but they I, Nisa simply underbid um underbid exceed or outbid exceed for the uh, for that localization and it, w- it would and they caused some heat for it but yeah Nisa's doing Cold Steel three localization and it but those games have so much dialogue that it takes a long time a long long time but huh. they're good I I really really love Trails in the Sky first and second chapter. Did you really, really love them, Caitlin? Yes, I... Oh my god, I really love them. They're they're so good. They are worth sticking with. I mean, it... it this Trails games, because Trails in the Sky FC and Cold Steel are, you know, kind of slow, but at the beginnings, but it's... It is really worth it to stick with them, because there's a... There's kind of an oh moment a couple chapters into FC, and that becomes a holy... If I can drop an F-bomb, holy oh moment at the end of fc and then sc is just like a series of oh moments up until the really big oh moment and then more oh moments yeah it's like it's like in the first chapter you're sort of just doing a tour of the world and you visit each of the five big metropolises in the in the country one by one and you're just sort of like hints of a conspiracy and then near the end like the stakes increase hugely a bunch of holy crap moments in a row and then second and then in the second chapter it's like now you know who the enemy is and you have more specific character motivations you're actually like should like taking on the villains that you that you saw hints of in in first chapter it's it, again the first trails in the sky game feels like a lot of setup and the second trails in the sky game feels like a lot of payoff yeah and it's a, and also second chapter is almost double the length uh, in terms of playtime of a first chapter, it took me like over a hundred hours. Like I play thing these things sort of quickly, but first chapter took me thirty five to forty, and uh, second chapter took me sixty five to seventy. And it's the same crew all the way through. Uh, yes, you get there's eight playable characters in first chapter, and in second chapter you get them all back, but you don't you won't get them all back at once. It'll be like you get to choose. Oh, do you go with this character or that character for the for some early quests? But by the end, you have all eight again plus a handful of others. Well, who was your favorite character, Caitlin? Uh, oh. I guess that's non-spoiler. That's non-spoiler. Uh, well, I mean, I really I really ended up liking Joshua a lot. He's got uh, a really dark background that doesn't become at all apparent until the end of the first game, into the second, and uh, I, I, I liked him a lot. It also helped that he plays very similarly to Rain from Cold Steel, which is my real first introduction. The first, at least the first game that I completed in the series. So I kind of like, ah. I was, I thought you were gonna go your first like RPG crush. No, <laughs> no, come on. Yeah, Joshua was like the co-main character of the first Trails in the Sky game, and then part of the second Trails in the Sky game is uh, Joshua's missing, and Estelle, the other main character, is searching for him because um, of reasons. <laughs> yeah, because of reasons that are definitely spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> but but Estelle and Joshua are a really really cool duo. Um, Est- like I, I think Estelle's character arc is so impressive because she's if anything hyperactive and a little annoying in the first game and then she is i don't know more more mature and more i'm gonna get this 
done in the second game, and I, which is a total delight for me. Watching Estelle grow over the first two games is excellent. Yeah, she definitely grew on me over the course of even FC, but especially SC. Yeah. So Estelle's your favorite? Um, I don't know. Uh, I really like this whole crew. Oh, I don't know. I thought that, oh, why can't I think of his name? Zane's arc in, in SC was really, really good because it takes a an extremely... Uh, Zane is one of the characters that joins you last in the first game. And then in the second game, you meet like his uh, his old dojo rival, and uh, it also comes to you realize that a minor character from the first game was sort of the uh, uh, was a, like the third per- member of their little group of friends. So seeing his arc play out at the at the end is really awesome. And when you f- fight the final boss against Zane's old rival, he doesn't even have to be in your party. And the, and the, the scenes are wildly different if you have him in your party or not in uh, in SC oh, for cool. that fight, which is which seems crazy. Like he, he should have been required for it. But uh, yeah, I really like Zane's arc in SC. So I, I didn't use him as much in the first game, but I wanted to use him all the time in the second game because of it. R- really, though, all the characters have a good arc in the second one. Even like even Shara has a pretty awesome rival battle. Yeah, that was uh, aside from her outfit, which I hate. <laughs> I like Shara a lot. Yeah, she's a little bit unnecessarily revealing, I guess. Well, I was. At, she is too. I don't like, especially don't like her outfit in third because it's like it got even more needlessly oh, oh, they sexy. It? Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah I've, I've only played the beginning of third because I I played the first two on PSP, so uh, or PSP and Vita. You know how in FCNSG she's wearing a top but it has like a an opening like a, a boob window in the middle yeah mm-hmm. yeah she's she has unnecessary cleavage but whatever yeah it's a top like it goes over her shoulders and everything in in third it's one of those stupid like bodices where it all it does is it barely covers her nipples the rest of her breasts are exposed and somehow magically you know like it's it must be taped on one of those kind of things hmm She's basically wearing a very similar top to Luciola, who who that 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 was who I was talking about. I hate Luc- Luciola's outfit because that's just ridiculous and doesn't make any sense for her character. Either of their characters doesn't doesn't make sense for. Her. But anyway, I mean, yeah, that that whole sort of background for Shara was really cool and kind of heartbreaking. Her top makes a little less sense in third chapter now that I'm looking at. I'm comparing pictures. Yeah, I don't. Her dress is basically similar, and she still has the same sash but now it's like they, they just i don't know i don't know they just exposed her more <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because i mean none of her stories in in third have anything to do with what she's doing right now so hmm. it's all it's all stuff that happened before the uh the wardrobe change basically not looking at the wardrobe i think basically all the main characters in that game are likable oh yeah so yeah it, but yeah i really like zane's arkin too and olivier is of course you know love yeah. Olivier, Olivier is is delightful, <laughs> and I used him a lot because I love his after battle banter, and and he's probably the best magic user in the game. So I, I always liked having him around. Yeah. Why so delightful, Olivier? <laughs> he's the local pervert of the mm-hmm. group, oh. but not in like a cringe way. So, sometimes you cringe, some, but uh, sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's great. I, I don't want to like, but he he never seems to get away with his, you know, with his nonsense. There's always somebody threatening bodily harm, whether Shara's threatening to destroy his liver by drinking him under their table, or his his, his boy Mueller. His boy Mueller. Oh, I love Mueller so much. <laughs> Mueller's great. <laughs> God. So we keep him in line. Yeah. And doesn't get it. Doesn't take it too far as it can. In some oh, he has stories. some very 
creative threats uh, oh, yeah. to, to keep Olivier in line between both the Sky Games and the Cold Steel Games. Sounds neat. I mean, the Trails series has been one I've been interested in. I have Cold Steel 1, and I've been meaning to go back to it because I just love the gameplay mechanic of it. It looks really cool, and I just really want to give that a shot. And if Trails of the Sky... No, Trails in the Sky? Trails in yes. the Sky. Yeah. In the Sky, not of the Sky. Sora no Kiseki. And Kiseki can mean trail or pathway or also miracle so i think i think there's like a double meaning in the japanese oh gotcha and they play very differently they're not the um kind of strategy rpg kind of no they, they play vibe. very similarly um to they, each they, other but, yes yeah to, to each other yes like you both uh use space very well the characters move around and you use the layout of the board oh gotcha but trails of cold steel is more like a ps2 rpg where you know you get uh you get a more like a more uh third person view while trails in the sky is more like a you know, SNES or PS1 RPG, where it's a more top-down view. Right. They, they, yeah, yeah there's a meaningful technology graphics difference between them, but they play very similarly. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it was actually, it was interesting for me, because I had played the Cold Steel games first and gotten used to the way the system works there, and there are some differences, like the biggest difference is just how orbments uh, work, because they, they changed how orbments work between the Sky Games, and I'm a, I believe in Crossbell it's still the same, but I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, so. yeah or, orbments are the you know uh, spell mechanic materia of this game that are that they use in a lot of different Falcom games. The uh, <laughs> the the skill system in uh, Tokyo Xanadu, which was like I think which I think was built in the Trails of Cold Steel engine, yeah. uses uses an orbment system in all but name. They 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 call it something else, but it's totally an orbment. But it's interesting because like you know I played Cold Steel first and then jumping backwards to Sky, and a lot of times you think, well, you know, if you're starting in a more recent iteration of a system, it can be it can be challenging to go back to an older system because you kind of expect that there have been there have been updates and innovations and things like that that make the newer system, the newer games, uh, you know, more enjoyable. But I mean, like I just jumped right in and felt pretty much at home aside from adjusting to how uh, the orbments work in the sky games versus cold steel had very little trouble with it I, I was expecting it to be a harder experience because you know to kind of expect older yeah. version of a system is going to be a bit clunkier but actually it was breezed throughout pretty much into the entirety of the trilogy it's extremely similar and i've only played the first few hours of trails of cold steel the uh, I, I sort of resisted playing it for a while but uh it again other than the differences in technology and graphics it feels extremely similar so if you play cold steel first or trails in the sky first it's uh there, there's not a meeting there's not a hugely different gameplay difference or even storytelling difference but I mean, Trails in the Sky trilogy takes place in one country. Trails of Cold Steel takes place in the in a, a neighboring country. <laughs> so it's it's all a very uh, connected world. And we mentioned the two Crossbell games. It's again, that's also a very similar system, but just takes place in a different location in the world. And all of these stories taking place in different parts of the world are interconnected, and it's huge. And they, I think. The, the series mastermind said that at the end of Cold Steel, they'll be about sixty percent done with that with that story. Is that what sounds they said? about right? Yeah, yeah. Which is got a lot more to look forward to. Wild cool. when you think about it. Because yeah, it's been going on almost fifteen years, and uh, and of course fans are pretty are well, I don't know how certain they are, but fans are pretty excited of the possibility of. Uh, maybe the games after Cold Steel taking place in Calvard, which is the country that we haven't had a game in yet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
But uh, so people are already prognosticating a Calvard series of games, but we're not. Uh, the, the first three are Liberal, and Cold Steel is uh, is Arabonia, and Crossbell is sort of in between Arabonia and Calvard, and Arabonia and Calvard have had a war for centuries, and there's there's a lot going on in this world, and it's uh, a little intimidating to jump in at one point if you're worried you'll have to play all of them, but at least they're good. <laughs> And they're worth right. it. It's worthwhile, yeah, no especially oh, yeah. especially if you want to play Cold Steel Three because there's I you, I think you probably need to be at, ha, having played at least the Sky Games in order to really get the bet the most out of Cold Steel Three. I don't think the Sky Games are required for Cold Steel One, but I think Cold Steel One and Two and maybe also the Sky Games should be done before Three because Three brings back a lot of people. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried that there's too much crossbell content in that for me to totally get it because I, I those are Japan only. I haven't even tried to play those yet. Yeah, and I guess that's the big sticking point because I think ideally I'm sure that Falcom would want to bring those games over. It's just a question of formatting and getting and and rights and 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 getting it getting it done at this point um i've i keep it would, hearing... def- it would definitely be pc only because they didn't even oh, yeah, do of course the P- yeah they would didn't do the psp version of third but yeah I'm, I'm sure it's some there's some kind of spreadsheet showing how much it'll cost and how much they'll make and the numbers have to one column has to be higher than the other column for them to be confident to bring it over yeah uh, well, I mean, there's also the legal, there's legal issues at play, too, that would make it difficult and expensive, potentially. So that's, that's a problem. I mean, an ideal scenario would be Falcom just remakes the the, uh, the Crossbell games on PS4. Ooh, please. And, you know, then has Nisa or whoever localize them. That would be, that would be just fine and dandy. But, I mean, we just have to continue to, to wait. I keep hearing... Some I'm I'm not sure if Nisa is planning on doing any sort of like explanation thing for Cold Steel Three. I've I, I I've heard here and there that there might be some sort of like summary at some point for people to sort of just get them up to speed. But I don't know if that's just idle speculation or if that's something that they that would have to be an entire novel or at least a Cheesecake Factory menu. Because uh, there's just so much to go over before these games. I mean, no, they could they could condense it. it but they don't have to st- give us all the details. Sure, but still, Cold Steel Three is standing on the shoulders of seven predecessors, which is not nothing. No, I don't mean to summarize everything. I mean to summarize the Crossbell games. Oh, hmm. there's no. I would not expect them to have a summary of all the Sky Trilogy and the previous two Cold Steel games. But it would be useful to have some sort of explanation for Crossbell since you're going to be dealing with Crossbell in Cold Steel 3. Yeah, I would appreciate that, because I, I barely know anything about Crossbell except the names of some of the characters. Yeah. But again, I don't know. I, I've, I've heard it here and there. I have. There, I don't think there's been any confirmations, so we have no clue if they do that. It'd be nice. It'd be kind of like, um, if you remember Final Fantasy thirteen two had a whole... No, I, I only play good RPGs. Thirteen two is a decent RPG. Shush. I'm not, I, I said thirteen two, not Lightning Returns. <laughs> I, I roll. I roll my eyes at the entire thirteen trilogy. I just. I. I thought it was so ill conceived. After and, Final and Fantasy so fifteen, it's a good game. Oh, for Final Fantasy fifteen RPG fans game of the year twenty seventeen. Right, that one. That's, <laughs> yes, that, that's, a, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. It's going to come up every single time. I, I bet yeah, you about fifteen uh-huh. because correct. 
you, you're, yeah, a, exactly. you're accurate. <laughs> yes. But like, you know, you know, 13.2 had a whole little prologue section that you could, an optional menu from the main menu that you go to that would, that did a really bad summary because of course 13's story was kind of a mess, but at least it, you know, gave you a summary. I wonder if they might be able to do something like that for Cold Steel 3. And I think the, the game you were clamoring to win over 15 that year was Cold Steel 2. It was. Right? Yeah. Mm. It was. I literally exclaimed to myself, while playing Cold Steel 2, this is so much better than Final Fantasy 15, and it looks like shit, but it's so much better. But uh, back to the idea of a summary for Crossbell, even if it was something like the, like the Mass Effect or Dragon Age vid comics, where it, like a five-minute little visual novel comic that you could run through to see the events of the previous game, something like that might be enough. Yeah. But uh, but again, I, I am really uncertain if they're ever going to officially localize Crossbell, and if that if those events are going to be important to Cold Steel Three, they got to give us something. I, I don't know what exactly how elaborate it'll be. I mean, I suggested the Cheesecake Factory menu, thinking thinking they'd be you were talking about all previous seven games, but <laughs> they'd have to give us something. Otherwise, it would be almost irresponsible for them to drop into this story that that few English language speaking players would have experienced. We just have to pray, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Open dream. I, I think uh, Cold Steel Three will probably be playable at E3 because uh, Nipponichi usually ha- or Nisa usually has playable demos at their booth. I think they've confirmed that it's they're having a, an E3 demo. I believe mm-hmm. cool. that would be consistent with them in the past. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a, a demo at E3. They had a demo at uh, London uh, at MCM Comic Con in London uh, re- recently. It might even be the same build because it, obviously not a huge amount of time is taken. As, uh, Probably, has gone yeah. By. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, the, and they wouldn't be trying to surprise us with anything in the build. So, and it would probably be very different audiences. So, I, I would be, I would be shocked if it was a different build. Yeah, which I, I mean, like, I wish I was going to E3 because I'd love to check it out. So, I look forward to seeing whoever covers that uh, for us. Well, I'll, I will be at E3, so I'll try and play it. I don't know if I'll be writing the preview about on it or anything, but. That is something I definitely want to check off, visiting the Nisa studio and playing all their demos, because that, 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 it's a good time. It's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Other things you two have been playing to truck it along, uh, you've both been in Final Fantasy XIV, so you had a good relapse, and Caitlin, it's just the ongoing saga. Yes. Uh, yes. How's that been going for your, um, your revisiting, uh, Mike? Uh, it's been really good. I think when I last talked about it on this podcast, I was in the content between Realm Reward and Heavensward. That sounds right. And since doing that, uh, it's been probably a, like six weeks or so. I got to the end of 2.x, then I played through all of the Heavensward 3.0, and now I'm early on in the 3.1, 3.2 content, which would put me in roughly 2016 content of the game. But it has been absolutely awesome. I think the Heavensward stuff has been the best story I have I have played in the game so far. It's really excellent. And it, it doesn't... It's. I mean, it has a definitive end, but also what happens immediately after the Heavensward story is some pretty intense dramatic stuff that is send, setting up a really, really good story for the Heavensward postgame. So it's uh, been very, very exciting times at Nishgard. And I'm capped at level 60 right now since I don't own a copy of Stormblood. My co- my uh, my copy of the next expansion's coming with my copy of Shadowbringers, which comes out in last week of June, first week of July, depending on uh, your pre-order status on the game i think so I, i'm i'm capped at level 60 i'm doing uh i'm doing 2016 content but it is really really fun and i am going to be playing it off and on probably all year my what's your main again oh boy uh well i have what isn't his main 
I, I play several classes <laughs> or several gets around with the classes, I, does it? I, I play several jobs, but my the two that I play the most are probably warrior and dragoon. And I I found that I that I don't love casting or healing. Most of my favorite uh, jobs are melee. So, yeah, I have I have uh, six jobs at level sixty, and five of them are melee jobs. <laughs> to give you an idea of how my play style is. Yeah, you seem to be uh, like beating them up. Yep, yep. Get in space, punch in face. <laughs> And Kaylin, how's your experience been going as you're kind of building up to Shadowbringers? My experience is I am frantically trying to level my gathers and crafters in a month. That is the true end game. Yeah. What's the benefit to doing that? Obviously, that's like it's a whole other side kind of the game. There are people who pretty much just do gathering and crafting. I mean, they'll do main story, but that's that's what they do. There's a there's a certain amount of self sufficiency that comes with leveling your gathers and crafters because you know once you have them up to speed you can make gear for your other classes you can repair gear without needing to go visit a mender um you can obviously craft stuff and put it up on the market board and and rake in the uh the dough um it's, it's probably the best way to make money yeah is, is is uh is crafting advanced gear and raid quality food yeah. So there's that. And I'm doing it in part because um, I'm going to be reviewing Shadowbringers for the site. And I I want to try as best as I can. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all of them to 70. Probably probably won't be able to get all of the crafters to 70, but I'm going to try and get a few. So I just wanted to level some of them so that I could uh, check out the new things that they're doing in Shadowbringers and give an evaluation. And it's about, it's it's long past time that I leveled them because I do a lot of raiding and having crafters and gatherers for, to like, like Mike said, to make food and to get crafted gear and whatnot and to make money so that I can afford to buy other stuff is uh, a good thing. It's, I, it's Something I should have done a long time ago. I, I was doing some research on the different uh, sort of the gear grind for Stormblood because there were a lot of videos and articles on how to gear yourself up to be as uh, good as possible or at least near the top before Shadowbringers comes out. And to put it in, into into perspective, how much of an advantage crafting is is uh, basically as the Stormblood 4.x content was rolling out, every few months there would be a new raid or a new dungeon or a new or a new trial. And the the maximum level of gear would go up. So every few months it would be like, uh, let's say the gear at the end of Stormblood was was item level 320. It's like the next level is the next dungeon would give you item level 330 or 335, and it would go up by five or ten or so every few months. And the the highest level of gear currently in the game is from the most advanced raids, which are level 400 or 410. But if you have a craft uh, crafters at level 70, you can get item level 380 without even going into that content. So if you have advanced crafting, it'll allow you to skip a lot of the gear grind and go right to just below the top level of it. Well, that's super handy. Yeah, and, and also selling that gear and selling items like raid food, because eating food gives you a lot of bonuses for, I think, a period of 30 minutes or an hour. It, it's very, very valuable having you know either cr- a high-level crafting yourself or um, a high-level crafter in your group. And uh, it's very, very expensive to buy those things <laughs> if you can't craft them yourself. So it's a, it's a whole economy that's part of Final Fantasy XIV. The crafting system is interconnected and very deep and goes real, real far back. I don't have a crafting class above level 25, I think, but, but because I'm just focusing on clearing the story and leveling up jobs and doing all of the all of the combat related content that I, as I unlock it. But th- there's many, many paths to getting to, to to success in Final Fantasy 14. You don't have to just grind 
the same dungeons or, or raids over and over. There's a just a lot of there's a you're ne you'll never run out of things to do, and one of those things is crafting, and crafting can give you some major advantages. So Caitlin is setting herself up for more success by getting as by getting crafting classes to seventy. <laughs> but I'm suffering right now because it's a long process. It's it's a grind. It yeah. Is. Well, I haven't even done the cheap thing yet, which is I just buy a bunch of materials and do the leave quests spam. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to to balance that out so that I don't burn through all of my allowances uh, on one job. So yeah, my loop right now is I try to do all of my daily quests that give me bonuses, which is around five or six quests a day, and then I try to do. Uh, one alliance raid and then two or three story missions in addition. So I'm crawling along <laughs> the, uh, the the Heavensward uh, 3.x content and and leveling up a lot of jobs simultaneously while doing it, but, which is which is fun. But if I if I ignored my daily quests, I probably could get through it a lot faster. But I I don't like ignoring my dailies is the problem. And then there's the uh, there's the itinerant Moogle quest going on this month for yes. all of June. They just started that this past week, actually. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get a couple of those items to you know get some rare to get some rare items that would otherwise require an annoying grind. Yeah, so they do this from time to time where they you know a Moogle shows up in the city states and you can buy stuff like you can buy mounts, you can buy minions, you can buy some pieces of gear. There are uh, riding maps for uh, the Realm Reborn. I, I really want those maps because the only other way to get them is to, is to grind hunting quests, and I do not yeah, like to do that. But they're so expensive. They're 30 tomes per, which is like, if you if you could get tomes, uh, more tomes from, or if there were more options for tomes. But basically, the way it works is you have a choice of a couple of different Realm Reborn uh, instance content to do. There's the story dungeons that no one should even think about doing because you can't skip cutscenes, and even though they give three tomes per it's not worth the time uh, spent to go through that they're the realm reborn 24 mans and then there's a smattering of dungeons so yeah you, you, only, you only get one or two or three tomes per quest yeah. and all and the best items cost 30 to 50 it requires a lot of grinding so yeah. i'm gonna try and get at least maybe one mount and one map uh, but it's, I, I've given up on getting everything, but they do this off and on. So like, they won't be gone for good. I'll be able to do a similar quest in a few months, maybe. Maybe. Although it's mm -hmm. not always the same items that are available. Sure. Yeah. So, makes sense. Yeah. You know, if you level a blue mage and do the mass carnival, you can, you get a lot of, uh, allied seals just from completing those stages. And then you, if okay. you, if you, uh, they have weekly challenges. If you manage to meet those, you can get more allied seals. So that's. That's a, if you don't want to do hunts, that's one way that you could start uh, collecting allied seals. So, so yeah, Greg, uh, a lot of what paths to success in FF14, a lot of quests yeah. for, for dozens of currencies that can give you similar or new rewards that you, you will never, ever run out of things to do in this game. It is, so much it is, made up money. It is crazy. And then there's Make It Rain is starting uh, next week. So if you if anyone, of course, the... The Final Fantasy 15 crossover event is over now, so that's not uh, can't get that mount anymore. But if you have been wanting to get like the expensive Fenrir mount or the uh, um, Sabotender mount or uh, various hair style options from Gold Saucer, there's going to be an event that will make it much more lucrative to farm MGP. 
for mm-hmm. uh, roughly the the most the entire month of June for the most part. So oh, oh yeah, um, uh, uh, Greg, MGP is Manderville Gold Saucer points because the they recreated the FF7 Gold Saucer in this game with full of triple triad games and and racing games, and casino games to which is another form of currency that you can earn. Um, <laughs> so many curse they had to they have to discontinue currency like tomes go out of yeah of use after you know basically the expansions done with them so like yeah yeah every expansion they've removed two or three currencies and add two or three currencies and every beast tribe has their own currency which is which is about 12 or so total and i guess just to keep it relevant with where play is at kind of thing yeah it's, yeah i mean it's it's sort of it's meant to be something a different kind of currency like you found this new kind of tombstone or you found you know this new kind of gear that lets you exchange it for you know for equipment and whatnot and i guess you know yeah you can find a like antique helm antique armor in dungeons that you can trade for mid-level or advanced gear that was only findable in in some other certain place so like whenever they do a new expansion or new content they, they they change things and they raise the cap of what you can find, but also give you more pathways and more uh, and more means of getting old of old good gear. So yeah. it's again they're they're always trying to streamline the experience for the player, but there's always the ceiling, which is you know the most advanced raid tier, which is the mm-hmm. you know to get the most advanced stuff. Right. It it's it's crazy, and I'm over always overwhelmed by the breadth and depth of what the game has to offer. But I have a lot of fun even just leveling up classes. So I'm or leveling up jobs, because again, they're, they're classes sometimes. Up at, uh, up for combat uh, after level thirty, they're all jobs. It's it's a little confusing, but I uh, it, it's super super fun, and it's by far the deepest I've ever gotten into an MMO. And I and again, I'm still going through 2016 content for this thing. It's it's Final Fantasy 14 is incredible. I think it's the best Final Fantasy game at least since the PS1 era. I agree with that. Well, before we get into new stuff, like this is a decent segue, I would say. Actually, usually I do my listener questions later, but uh, hmm. it's really relevant to what you're talking about. Cabby Nintendo on the or KB Nintendo, not sure how you pronounce it, on the old Discord was saying that. Um, or asking rather, how do you balance playing an MMO with other RPGs? And uh, again, I, that's part of the reason why I haven't got back to FF14 for myself, because I just don't see how I can justify and balance the time commitment and the money commitment when I have so many other games to play, so many other things to do. But I see you both managing to keep up with reviews and previews and as well still managing to play for Retro Encounter and Caitlin yourself, yeah, and staying on top of your raids and everything. How do you do it? Uh, so it's tricky um, and it can be really easy to get sucked in and just like spend your entire free time, you know, all week just playing 14. Um, definitely when a patch comes out and especially like with expansion, you know, with 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, the big, the main patch that launches the expansion, which is always, of course, gigantic compared to, um, successive patches afterwards. Um, I usually, you know, with that, I spent, I I focus on it. Like when, when Heaven's Word came out, when Stormblood came out and when Shadowbringers comes out, um, in about a month or so, you know, I'm going to be spending almost all of my free time focusing on that until i get through main story it's like getting a new game basically yeah like a new game i mean i mean and it's gonna be like effectively a new game i mean square is describing 
Shadowbringers as being, you know, about the same size as a, a full, you know, totally enclosed gang, which based on previous expansions is totally accurate, perhaps even underselling it a little bit even. And the same thing like with the patches that come out after, you know, after the main expansion launches, you know, when that comes out, I, I tend to focus on you know, the main story quests and getting the trials unlocked and when there's a raid tier getting the the raid tier unlocked and 24 mans getting those unlocked and running those and, and whatnot but then afterwards i do a lot of raiding so i'm doing the savage raids i'm doing the extreme primals and things like that and i most times i have a static which is a group of people that you run with on a regular schedule you know like you you run like you know two or three or so days a week on set days and so once i've gotten through like the 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 main story content and unlocking stuff and I've run through the new dungeons or the new primal or the gotten the uh, the normal story mode version of the raids done with um, a lot of times what I do is I'll get on to play when I when my static is running uh, for raid and purposes and I'll I'll stick around I'll get on before they run and I'll stick around for a while after we're finished for the evening and do things here and there. But then I tend to, a lot of times, I spend the rest of the week doing other things, playing other games. So I kind of have uh, that sort of built-in balance by doing, you know, being part of the raid scene and whatnot that lets me sort of compartmentalize when I go to 14 and when I do other things. Now, sometimes I get obsessed, like, when a new primal comes out and, um, you know, all the primals ever since as far back as is as a realm reborn have dropped mounts in the extreme versions of the fight for the uninitiated primals are a specific kind of thing in the game which are basically large eight player boss fights that have a lot of special mechanics and special conditions and they are very very cool and the most recent primal fight will always give you pretty good rewards but yeah. like um but yeah like uh, i just Oh shoot! I, I just finished the extreme version of the of the Titan Primal fight, which is a level a level fifty fight, and it was it was it was it was a challenge. Oh boy! Oh boy! Back in the day, Titan Titan Extreme is no joke. It is no joke. It still is no joke because of the uh, the the um, uh, ping problems with that fight. But 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 truthfully though, the extreme primal fights, I've I've done probably less than half of the ones that Caitlin has done, but uh they they're they're challenging and involved in a way that makes them I think among among the most fun par- uh instances in the game. Like ex- extreme primal fights are super cool. Yeah. Um so whenever a new one comes out, I I clear it as fast as I can and then I I, I farm it. And when I'm in that in that sort of like I got to I got to get the mount, I got to get the mount. I might, you know, hop on extra days in between raid and and there are times when i hop on in between raid to like prog uh, uh fights and things like that so it's not always that i only show up for for raid days but that 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 was kind of what helped me schedule things was having a static because i knew i would be on 14 x amount of days a week and i was like okay well these are the days where i'm going to do stuff in 14 and there's something else i want to do the rest of the week a different game or maybe no game at all. <gasps> the gasp. Um, you know, that's the, I, I. I could you know schedule that in in different days. But you know, everyone has to find their own sort of balance. You know, however many hours you want to de- dedicate uh, to a game like this. And if you like playing it a lot, there's nothing wrong, of course, with you know playing it multiple. You know, more than more than a few days a week. I mean. It can be really engrossing to just, you know, you know, go in there and 
open, you know, unlock a new job and level that up or, you know, try a, a, a different kind of content that you, you know, like for me with ga- leveling gathers and crafters, I, you know, I almost entirely ignored them uh, up to this point. I had a few of them leveled just not very high, but I, I tried them out and ignored it. And now I'm, I'm, I'm sort of working through, there's the whole other side of the game, you know, and you've got the, the disciples of war and magic that fight, but now here I'm doing disciples of the hand and the land that gather and craft things. So, or rather, craft and gather things. I had that. I had that. Backwards. Yeah, there, there, there are there are sixteen combat jobs or classes, and ten crafting and gathering classes, and like working on just any one of those twenty six things is a whole game of on itself. There's huge depth to FF14, and now even uh, more coming with Shadowbringers. Yeah, and, and more stuff comes out every month, and and uh, you know one of the big expansions comes out in a month, so Caitlin's gonna dive into it even harder. Oh yeah. Personally, I I am mostly content to playing it a little bit every day, maybe five days a week, because I do have podcasting and games for podcasting to uh, take care of. If, if I had my way, I would probably be only playing FF14 and maybe, and maybe one other thing right now because I'm a little obsessed currently. But the trick is to just... is, is, to, not, is to not get burned out on it. So I play just a few hours a day usually and that makes me all interested to keep playing it and I, I don't feel like I'm binging too hard and then I just don't want to play it anymore. The uh, t- My time management skills are as such that I... When I, I try to set aside a few like specific amounts of time for video games and for, versus work and for, versus you know housekeeping and and personal and personal things and socialization, like I, I set aside time in a way that I'm always excited to get to it, and as such, it makes the video games I'm playing never seem like a chore, and and FF14 seem not like a job. So I'm. It's hard balancing uh, MMOs with uh, with other video games because MMOs are so time consuming. But I mean, playing it in such a way that I don't feel burned out is the is the best way to manage my own time and and keep and staying motivated to play. Yeah, it sounds the healthiest way. Like, do you both feel then that you have like a good kind of quote unquote work life balance? Yeah, if anything, I wish it? I could. I had more time to play FF14. <laughs> I'd like to think I do, although I haven't checked my playtime in a while. It's probably something scary by this point. I'm not on the game every day of the week. Like outside of like when the an expansion drops, I'm 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 not playing every waking hour of every day of the week. So like yeah, I I, I don't think I'm like I don't think I have a problem, even though I have a lot of hours in fourteen and definitely have have played it. Way more than any other game at this point. Yeah, I still have all of Stormblood to get to before I can even get to that sweet, sweet Shadowbringers story yeah. content. So it's uh, I'm going to be playing this thing off and on for probably the rest of 2019, maybe longer. I'm not. I'm really not sure, but I'm I'm still excited to keep playing. So it's uh, I I have not hit a wall yet. It's also mm-hmm. it's worth noting, you know, when it comes to questions of how do you balance the game. A lot of people unsub when they're not you know, super interested in playing or during the lulls between content or between expansions. And that's easy enough to do to get in and out. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, Cause I've always been curious about doing that. Yeah. Jumping and jumping out when my life gets heavy or other no, there's a reason I stopped playing the game for about two years. Cause I, cause I, I didn't feel compelled to keep going back to it and there's other games I wanted to play. So I just let my, uh, my subscription expire. But right yeah. now I'm not, I'm not interested in watching my subscription expire, but you know that that time may come. Yeah, there's no, there's no like, if you 
cancel your subscription or you, you know, whatever, or restart. There's no fees like that. It's just if you, you want to stop paying, then you stop paying. And, you know, you, you don't have to worry about your character for the most part disappearing as lot. They don't delete characters when you, when you stop your subscription. Um, so a lot of people, Every, you know, every everything was exactly as I left it, even though yeah. I hadn't played the game for two years. So, I mean, sometimes... Yeah, I'm sure there's a long-term yeah, waiting period yeah. before they start clearing um, their old rosters. There are people who will unsub uh, for, you know, a good chunk of the of the expansion and then resub, like, now leading into the new expansion and just, you know, run through all of the, the story patches, um, which can take a little while. But, I mean, like, you know, story patches, main story-wise, are far shorter than the exp- expansion itself. So you can get through that content if you're just focusing on it, you can get through that content in a fairly short order. So there are people who do that. They'll unsub for a little while and then resub to get through main story and stick around for a little while and then maybe unsub again and, you know, rinse and repeat. So that's always an option, especially if you're worried about, well, I want to check this out, but I don't know that I want to pay every month, especially if I may not be playing a lot uh, very often at times so you can just unsub and then and also the free trial lets you play content up to level 35 i'm, I'm not i'm not sure if you mentioned that no i didn't that's that's also yeah 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 right i yeah. think we've talked about it in the past but yeah, that's so great that, yeah that's i've a, seen that that's advertised. pretty good it's a very large chunk of data to download to your uh pc or ps4 or what have you but 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 i mean free content for 35 levels i think is that's a pretty good demo level and also your uh and it'll all transfer mm-hmm. over to the paid version of the game if you decide to do that. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm sure my characters are gone from back when I did beta and everything uh, testing. I'm sure that's long been gotten rid of. But I like I purchased the game back when I was on special, so I have it in my Steam account. I've just never, yeah, been able to commit the time. But again, knowing that it's easy enough to jump in and out, I actually might, when I have a lull in stuff or I'm done with another game or not, maybe I'll pick it up for a month and just pay for it for that month kind of period. Yeah, that might be a yeah. way to go about it. That's, I th- again, I think that is a very, very fair demo condition. And if you, you know, get to level thirty-five and that Garuda primal battle is is on the horizon, but you, you know, I think you need to be level thirty-nine or forty for that one. Maybe it's time to think about subscribing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I know once I get into it, I'll be hooked for sure. So that's half my issue as well. It's the same issue as to why, as I told them on the podcast, I haven't bought Stardew Valley because, again, I know my life will be gone. I, I bought Stardew Valley right after uh, a podcast episode from last year because um, Hillary and Alana and Leona were talking it up so much. It's like, ah, damn it. All right. And the, like while I was talking about the housekeeping, thanks for listening kind of thing, I went and bought it on my Switch while we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked afterwards. There was no, I'm like, I'll probably end up buying it next time it's on special and maybe get a copy for both Annette and I on Steam so we can farm together. Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was like $12 instead of 15 when I did it or something like that. Exactly. It's a good way to go. Anyways, uh, well, this all brings us to the exciting new stuff on the horizon with E3 coming up in uh, not less than a week now. When's a it, little over when does it start week. up? Because you're going um, I believe see. it's uh, around June 11th or 12th, whichever one of those days is a Tuesday, is when it is when the show floor officially opens. But Sunday the 9th and Monday the 10th, there are some events being aired, but they but the real E3 begins um, June the 11th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're going with a few other members from the RPG fans staff. Do you remember know who all's uh, going? Yeah, or? do you want me to rattle them all off? Or? Why not? Okay, sure. It's uh, myself, Steph, Alana, Mike Salbato, Hillary, Zach, Corey. I think that's all. I might be I might be forgetting, but I, I think that's... Uh, yes. But it's still a good crew, and... Uh, 
they're mostly all hanging out together because you have a place that I think you have family in the area. Uh, well, well, yeah. Time. Well, I'm going several days early. I, uh, I'm leaving. I'm getting there three or four days early to spend time with my sister who lives in Los Angeles and some aunts and uncles in the LA area. And then we are all convening at the same Airbnb on that Monday. But I think we're going to try and send someone to the Bethesda event and maybe the Microsoft event on that Sunday before E3. Well, and, even with um, you know the fact that you got work to do, it's still going to be, I'm sure, a lot of shenanigans. Oh yeah, yeah. Like my reason for going is almost more for the people than for the show itself, because we, we we are busy working all three days of the show. Like we we have meetings to go to. We're writing previews and articles the whole time. There's uh, if you want to just experience E3 for getting as much information as new games as you possibly can. Your best option is to stay at home and keep your eye on streams and updates. <laughs> like we, you don't learn a lot at the show. You, uh, you're doing interviews and you're checking out the floor. But and like, it, it, it's awesome talking to developers about the games that they make and uh, experiencing the spectacle of E3. But really, I do it for the people and for uh, and to visit Los Angeles and and less for the show itself. But but the show itself is still very exciting. And I'm gonna be. I'm, I mean, last year I I played demos for Mega Man 11 and Dragon Quest 11, and I was practically jumping up and down in line while I was uh, while I was in line for those demos. But this year, I don't know. I don't know what my assigned interviews are or anything yet, but it's going to be really exciting. But really, it's more for... I'm more excited to see all these people than I am for walking a crowded show floor, which is, you know, like like an ant farm of game enthusiasts. It's kind of the same reason I would want to go as well. And Caitlin, you've gone in the past, haven't you? Actually, no, I haven't. Oh, I thought you had. Nope. Well, I stand corrected. Um... This will be my fourth one in a row, but I'm, I'm thinking of not going next year and doing something else for my summer vacation to give other people a chance to if they if they want because because we are time and space limited oh that's fair enough yeah i'm hoping i can make it out next year just this year with the wedding and everything going on it was uh, not a financial or time priority for me over the summer yeah and, and again i also i also use that week to take a, a larger vacation and to visit my family so yeah which a, is it's, it's not just e3 for me it's yeah it's handy that you got folks out there that you can kind of hang out with i mean i only just visited la for the first time just last year over the summer too and it was yeah. it's a neat city to visit in its way but i didn't get to see near enough of it so i wouldn't mind going for yeah kind of like the two-part reason of seeing everybody in the show i have a large catholic family that's about you know 20 aunts and uncles 15 or so cousins about half of them are in california so i always have people to visit when i visit the west coast you were saying then that there's not a lot to i guess that you're excited for on the horizon but based on what we oh well, well no, know, there, there's there, there's plenty to be excited about yeah it's just, it's i was just gonna get the, into it like i feel like but, you do yeah, it's just it's just the like I think I, I'm always for E3 just the event of E3. I'm more excited for, about the people than about going on the show floor. But there are a lot of exciting things that are going to happen in E3. I have no doubt about that. That's true. Uh, yeah, we were talking about that in the pre-show. So what we got here? Let's try and run down the list. Then um, sorry, yes, I was misinterpreting what you were saying. But yeah, it's there's gonna be plenty to do. Just plenty of good people to see as well. We've already had confirmed that Sony's not gonna be there. In any way, shape, or form, we don't know whether they're going to do a state or play, kind of like how Nintendo usually schedules a direct at the same time. So we know Nintendo has a direct. I think on the opening day. I think it was the eleventh. I think it's scheduled for. It's it, it'll either be opening day or the day before. Yeah, the, that Monday or Tuesday there will be a yeah be a direct. Mm-hmm. There's something like that, and then yeah, whether we get a state of play from Sony or not, we don't know because they they have some stuff to talk about, but most of it's through other developers and. Even then, they just had that big reveal for um, Death Stranding, so maybe that'll be playable on the show floor, but if they're not going to be there at all, then we probably aren't going to see it at E3 
in any way, shape, or form. Because it's not on any of the consoles, I think, right? Yeah, it, they, I mean, Sony will not have a dedicated space. It's possible that Kojima Productions will have a space to show off Death Stranding, but it's, uh, that's, un, that's unclear. The, uh, the trailer that we got a week or two ago uh, gave us you know, a, a pretty lengthy view of the gameplay and also a release date later this year. So it's, I, I don't know if it'll be playable on the show floor or not, but it will not be at a Sony-dedicated space. Yeah, and we know Microsoft will be there, and who knows what they have to show. I mean, in the past, they haven't been very RPG-heavy as far as our coverage goes. They always have some cool stuff to show, but... Their space last year wasn't even in the main E3 building. It was at, like, the, the a building that was just next door or across the street. It was, like, at the Wasn't, like, a hangar or something? Or yeah, something it, cool? it was, It was like, a oh, shoot, I don't remember. It was, it was like a... Uh, a building next to the Staples Center and not the actual convention space. But uh, two years ago, they had an enormous arcade space with something like 40 or 50 demo stations for a lot of games, not just Microsoft exclusive ones. It was the only play to play, only way to play Bloodstained, the Bloodstained demo two years ago, and uh, um, they even had Ikarashi next to it, shaking hands and taking photos with people. But uh, and that and that game and that game comes out in a couple of weeks, which seems insane. But uh, so I, I'm sure Microsoft will have a lot of games there, not only Microsoft exclusive ones, but their big uh, conference is the Sunday before E3, and they will have a bunch of games to play. Even though, although I'm not sure how many of them are RPGs, and I'm not sure, uh, I'm not I'm not sure what the whole what their whole menu will look like. But they will they will be at the show. And they will have a lot of stuff. At least. Yeah, exactly. It's just a question of what we get that is pertinent to us specifically. Yeah, I, I have no idea what that could be. <laughs> Do either of you have Xboxes? I have an Xbox One that I barely touch because. I also have a PC and a PS4, so my poor Xbox One is relatively unloved. So there's really nothing on the horizon from them that you're kind of anticipating at this point? No, I mean, outside, nothing, certainly nothing exclusive from them. I mean, there's stuff coming out that we know will also be on Xbox One, although I have no intention of buying it on Xbox One. But yeah, I mean, so they could easily surprise I do expect to see some things from them that, you know, are multi-platform because they tend to have games, big titles at their show that are uh, multi-platform. It's true. So, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, their show last year was pretty good, actually. I thought they did a good job last year. Yeah, it was the first year that they kind of caught my eye, but even still, they weren't, like, enough to draw me into needing an Xbox One or anything like that. Like, they've been off my radar for a while. Yeah. But they did have a good show, for sure, last year. The one Xbox-exclusive thing that I'm interested in is the uh, sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is going yeah, to be... Yeah, be so uh, pretty. Yeah, that, that, I'm, I'm sure they'll show that, because that game's supposed to come out at the end of this year. But I think that game is also going to be on PC, so <laughs> I, I don't own an Xbox One, so uh, I, I'm... I, uh, like when I'm on the show floor, I will probably try and visit Microsoft so I can play a demo of that if they have one. But if when I buy it, it'll be on PC. So the, yeah, the 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 only Xbox game I'm really interested in is also getting going on PC. So yeah, shrug. So whatever, <laughs> exactly. The one thing though, I'm kind of speculating, like for my my hope, I wouldn't mind hearing because there's been that stuff churning around about Nintendo and Microsoft partnering up in some ways. I'm like, I'm wondering if we'll get any kind of announcement from them about that or if they'll be having any titles that they'll be showing that are cross-platform to either of them. That would be a kind of a fun mystical reveal that would come out of left field. Yeah, I mean, if you want to make left field predictions coming out of there, we could we could be here all day. But It's true. And, and, and I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's going to be moments 
at least during their uh, their conference that they're going to try and you know shock on surprise. But as they often do, it's um it's hard to predict this kind of thing. But uh, one thing I will predict about the Microsoft presentation is you guys probably know my my favorite game company in the world is probably Capcom, and Capcom always uses the Microsoft and Sony press conferences to announce their own new games. Two years ago, they announced Monster Hunter World at Sony, and last year they announced uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake at Sony and Devil May Cry 5 at, at Microsoft. So especially since there's no Sony conference this year, I am 100% certain Capcom is going to show us one or two new things at Microsoft. I don't know, my hope is for a Mega Man X9 or a Breath of Fire 7, but those are much, much less likely than, you know, some Resident Evil thing or a new IP. But, uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I hope that we get some new Capcom stuff at the Microsoft event because i i love what capcom has been doing the past three years well speaking to that uh do you think we'll get some playable iceborne stuff yes i would i almost want to guarantee that i I think we're probably going to see a monster hunter world iceborne demo and probably one or two a trailer with one or two more monsters they uh, showed off three or four new monsters in the in the trailer from april or maybe early may and I think near the end of that trailer, there was a roar that sounded like a Tigrex roar, which was one of the signature monsters of Gen 2 and has been and has is not in World. And Tigrex was a uh, a like frozen tundra monster in previous games. If there's an Iceborne new, a new Iceborne trailer where you're fighting a Tigrex, that's that's my Monster Hunter dreams come true. But we'll see what it's like. I I, I think an Iceborne demo is extremely likely though. Capcom always has a pretty cool booth. Yeah, how stoked were you on the Iceborne uh, reveal? Even though it kind of got shadowed a bit with the Final Fantasy VII remake trailer, but still. Well, I mean, that was that wasn't a reveal. That was they I mean they revealed Iceborne months earlier, but this was well, the no, first, sorry, yeah, but yeah, the, this they revealed the first, more details. Yes, yes, this is the first big gameplay trailer, and I was very excited by it. They're adding Nargakuga, which is another Gen two monster that I love, and uh, a couple the other new monsters looked really cool. One that almost looks like a wyvern with like moose like antlers. Yeah, that thing looks so cool. Another one that moves through ice, kind of like a shark, which reminds me of a. Reminds me of a Zamtrios or a Cephadrome from uh, older Monster Hunter games, but it definitely is. It cool. looked like Chiratidos is kind of like like a palette swap. Mm, yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Zamtrios is sort of a uh, a shark-like uh, wyvern that could, that can that can go through ice and water from older games. And Cephadrome, oh, cool. Cephadrome was a another shark-like wyvern, but it goes through desert sands like a like a shark with you know the fins sticking out and everything. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so, yeah I can so, see how yeah, it'd be yeah, close so, for that. Yeah, but there's a lot. There's there have been shark-like and fish-like uh, monsters before in Monster Hunter that move like this new one does, which is which is not you know make, which doesn't make me any less excited. It was a, it was a cool-looking monster, and the part like part of the point of Monster Hunter is, is to hunt these cool designed monsters. So, but I was I was really uh, um, encouraged by the trailer, and I love Nargakuga, so that'll be fun to hunt that thing again. And uh, oh, I hate to go back to Final Fantasy XIV, but uh, Caitlin, is the, the Rathalos event from FF14 doesn't disappear, right? It's it's it'll be there. It's permanent, I... yeah. E- excellent. Okay, yeah. At least uh, for la- the for the time being. I mean, they are removing the uh, the Garo uh, crossover mm-hmm. or, or, or you know uh, uh, PvP <laughs> stuff yeah, in 5.1. Yeah. <laughs> so it, maybe at some point they would remove it. But uh, our our, uh, our mutual friend Derek knows that I uh, like Japanese tokusatsu shows, which which include Garo. Garo has been a you know a, a Japanese sort of superhero Dark Knight kind of show since the mid 2000s. And when that crossover was announced, he texted me, "What the f- is Garo?" <laughs> and I had and I, and then and I'm like, why are you asking about Garo? Why are people people don't care about Garo? But then, uh, and then so you I, found out. <laughs> and then and it's like, oh, it's an FF14 thing. Oh wow. So yeah, the Garo event is ending. But I mean, I I desperately hope I can get to level 70 to hunt the Rathalos in FF14 before that le- before that leaves because 
FF14 Monster Hunter crossover is basically exactly in my wheelhouse. And and the Behemoth is one of the hardest hunts in Monster Hunter World. That thing is a mofo. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I still haven't got to it yet, and I really want to. It's super hard. The the armor it gives you looks like Dragoon armor, and it's uh, and it's top-tier stuff for the game. But I think it took my friends, my regular hunting buddies, who are more experienced at Monster Hunter than I am, like 20 tries to beat it. Because <laughs> it hits you with a meteor attack that's an instant kill if you don't do the jump animation in time to avoid it or, 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 or get in cover. And in Monster Hunter, you're, you're hunting in groups of four usually. And if, if there are three deaths, then the hunt fails and you have to restart. Yeah, that's a quick uh, way to knock them all down. Yeah, and then and so an instant kill on a party of four, that's, that's more than three if my math is right. So, yeah, it's a, the Behemoth Hunt is cha- challenging. I am really excited to see more mo- Iceborne monsters at the show, especially if it's Tigrex, and especially if, if that means to get top-tier armor, I can hunt something besides Behemoth. Even though the, be- behemoth fight, the Behemoth Hunt is super, super cool, and I was really excited when I first saw that trailer. And I guess my same question for you, it's going to stick around for a bit too, right? It's just not its not gone. I, I, I don't think it's going to go. Uh, the way limited hunts work in Monster Hunter World is that they've been adding new content every few months. And every three months, there's a uh, there's a festival event for, corresponding to the seasons. And then and at, at each seasonal festival, all of the limited time hunts will all be available again. So if you didn't get the Street Fighter or Mega Man or Horizon Zero Dawn stuff from early, from limited time events... They're all available again during those seasonal things that are that last usually about ten days. So, yeah, you try and always. I missed the last recent one. I wanted to get back and try and get my Mega Man armor for my yeah. uh, Palico. Yeah. So all you have to do is just wait for the next seasonal uh, festival, and then when that happens, you'll uh, you'll be able to get your Palico looking like an eight-bit Mega Man, which is great. I'm all about. Mm-hmm. At the very least, spikes interest in lapsed players to come back. Yeah, and that's yeah. I complained about that. It's a good complaint, but just the fact that like. Why play anything else when, yeah, you have these great games just constantly releasing all this great free content? Although it's neat seeing Iceborne. Uh, I wasn't expecting, like, a great big full-on expansion from them, and this seems like not quite almost a sequel, but, like, it's it's this is not just, like, your standard, like, here's some content. Like, it's a full new world yeah. and, or level kind of thing and a whole bunch of other stuff added into it. And, and Monster Hunter World is a new method of content for Monster Hunter. It used to be that the game would come out and then there would be a ultimate or plus or you know turbo version of the game coming out 18 months later but for this they're releasing new monsters every few months again the lunastra the devil joe the Kulve tarath and the behemoth were all free updates and then they were major, yeah. major par- and they're major major parts of the game now and uh but this expansion which i think is 40 dollars or you can pay a full 60 to buy a version of, of world that has uh iceborne baked in uh, as a physical copy it's more i mean they're adding a whole new playable zone which is again there's only really five major zones in the original release and this is a sixth one yeah and there's gonna be a new quest i'm guessing yeah and they're continuing the story quests and adding a bunch of new monsters so th- th- this is basically an expansion that's replacing the old ultimate versions of uh existing games that they used to do for monster hunter but uh the monster hunter fan base is dedicated enough and they've given us enough good free stuff that I think this has been met with excitement and not anger. So yeah, that that's all excellent. I'm 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 a bit of a uh, lapsed world player. I haven't played it at all in 2019, I think. Although I, I put hundreds of hours into it in 2018. It was um, if it wasn't for Dragon Quest XI, it would have been my game of the year. But Iceborne is going to drag me back into it. It's 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 really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm will be likely diving back in for that at some point too. I mean, I like coming back to it when I can, but I've just been so busy with other things lately that I haven't been able to. 
Uh, Nintendo, we've got them coming up uh, with, of course, as I said, they'll have their own kind of thing. What do we got from them? we got Town, we've got Pokemon Sword and Shield, although, isn't there a Pokemon Direct coming up again soon? Uh, yes, there is. It's, it's also in June. I think it's after E3. But, so uh, we may not get any details then. I don't know. They probably will tease something or at least yeah. let us know that's coming up. They'll have something. I, I should look up what the date of that Pokemon Direct is because they only recently announced it. Yeah, but I doubt we'll get much from it. I do hope we get to see more about Town. I'm very curious about that one. It's looking real neat. The Pokemon. And... I, I was mistaken. The Pokemon Direct is only in a few days. It's on. It's on June 5th before E3. Yeah, they won't be saying anything then. I guess it, about that well, at E3. Well, no, no, they definitely will. I mean, I mean, we'll get the Pokemon Direct, and then my guess is we'll probably have a playable demo that yeah. has informa- that has information from that Direct in it. Treehouse. So, yeah. Sorry, that's what I mean. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I just mean like in their. Um... In their E3 Nintendo Direct, we probably won't get much of anything except for them saying, yeah, you can play it on the show floor, but they probably won't be adding any more information. The E3 Direct will probably have new game announcements and, and just hype. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and I'm Fire excited, Emblem. like I said, for more details about yeah. Town. Yeah, more info about Fire Emblem. Uh, what do you two want to hear from Nintendo? Uh, Marvel Xenoblade! Xenoblade! And Tokyo Mirage Sessions ports, please. You think they're going to get a Xenoblade Chronicles port? I mean, I want it. I don't know how super likely it is, but that would be that would be my dream. The Monolith Soft CEO said he wants Chronicles and Chronicles X on the Switch, but but he was but he I don't that think that makes he so was, much sense. He was he was not announcing anything. He was expressing a, a want. So. Yeah. But I can dream. I mean, everyone would welcome that. I think that's but... an incredibly reasonable dream. Mm, yeah. And uh, I mean, to- in Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I, I echo Caitlin's feelings about that. I, I don't own a Wii U because, uh, again, I mean, the e- I never beat that game before I sold my Wii U, so I really, really yeah. want a port. To get an idea of how poor the poorly the Wii U did, remember it had the it has basically the same sales as a PS Vita worldwide. So, yeah. The Switch just trumped the PS4 as like long term sales, and mm, it's yep. been out for what half the time. No, they didn't. They the Japanese. Switch sales. Oh, the Japanese high, sales in, in in Japan only. But the uh, the Switch did exceed the lifetime sales of the Wii U after being in existence for like ten months. So yeah, yeah, five years of the Wii U was less than the Switch than was less than ten months of the Switch. So Switch ports of good Wii U games is something that I'm sure Nintendo is very interested in. They even they even brought in like the the Wii U new Super Mario Brothers. Is it has a switch port now, so they like I'm. We have not seen the end of that. I think it's a very reasonable uh, dream to get XCX and TMS on, on yeah, the switch. They're just gonna keep kind of phasing that yeah, stuff out. For I think sure. it's very reasonable. But I, th- I think what I want to see is more Ultimate Alliance three because I love the I love those first four X Men Legends Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, and I uh, I think Animal Crossing news is what is what a lot of people want. Yeah, I'm down for that as well. I would I would love to like have like N sixty four classics, ooh, be a thing. I wouldn't be shocked if sure. they announced um, Super Nintendo classics though. Finally, yeah, like, that that's finally happening. This seems like a good platform for that. Especially if they were free with the uh, with the Switch Family Plan or the Switch Online service, whatever whatever. That's it's gonna called. be yeah. It's gonna be probably added into. I'm gonna guess the with that plan or maybe it'll be like a you purchase the add-on yeah there's there's a i mean a bunch of nest games available i i've tried it to i I think i played zelda for about 30 minutes with it and it worked fine so yeah make some super nintendo games under that please yeah this seems like the place to do it i would say this alana wouldn't forgive me if i didn't mention whether it's on switch or somewhere else skies of arcadia 
that game is super, super great, and the most recent version of it on is on GameCube. It's on a Nintendo bad, console. With with bad audio. With bad so, audio, but yeah. Do you, yeah, do you think that's possible? <laughs> I'm not making predictions here, folks. Like, don't take me saying Xenoblade and Skies of Arcadia as she really thinks that this is happening. This is like pipe dream stuff. This is what this is I, dreams. I want because Nintendo is great, but I don't tend to get super excited over what they, they provide in their directs, with the exception, of course, of Xenoblade. I do not think it would be a Nintendo announcement for Skies of Arcadia. because uh, Unless it Atlas... was only coming to Switch. Well, well unless, yes, which is, I think... I think unlikely. That's likely too. I think that's very unlikely because Sega Atlas has been really focusing on PC re-releases. We got PC ver- and PS4 versions of uh, Valkyria Chronicles One, and they brought over a bunch of Yakuza games to the PC. Uh, um, I-, I think if we get a Skies of Arcadia remake, it'll be through Sega Atlas and probably every system they can put it on. But I would, I would, I would bet on PC first before anything else. But hey, hey, I want I want to replace Guys of Arcadia too. That game is amazing, and it's uh, and it and it, it it needs a modern re-release. I don't so, have a so, Dreamcast anymore or a GameCube. Yeah, it, no, it's not really accessible to new audiences, which is terrible because that game is awesome. But I, I, again, my guess would be through Sega Atlas and on PC and console, and not and not a Switch exclusive. Is my would be my guess. Yeah, that seems likely that we go the PC route given what they've been doing lately. Uh, Link's Awakening. I don't know if we'll have a playable. Do you think we could? Oh yeah. Um. Well, that game is 2019. Um. It it might be playable on the show floor. That seems reasonable. The hard part would be getting to it, since the lines at Nintendo are always yeah, the people longest. love that stuff. Well, just don't go to E3. Go to like the Nintendo store in New York and <laughs> play it there. <laughs> or go to PAX. I'm sure it'll be uh, there as well in uh, that, August. Isn't that, isn't that game soon? It's uh. I just said it's just sometime 2019. Okay. We don't yeah, have a so... specific release date. Well, they can't roll over to next year's E3 then, so um, my guess would be a, a demo, but I, yeah. I don't know for sure. And but I mean, and probably are, for Fire Emblem as well. They already have my money for Link's Awakening anyway. I, uh, I I love that thing. I replayed it in early 2018 because we did a uh, a podcast on it for Retro Encounter, and I decided to replay it. But it's um that game is good enough, and the new package is appealing enough that I definitely want to get that thing. I I, I love Link's. It Awakening. looks super enjoyable. Like I'm so down as well. And uh, I think this uh, this is me speculating, I guess. But I think they're going to get into a rhythm of big, big open world 3D Breath of the Wild ish Zelda, and then alternate those releases with cartoony top down Link Between Worlds, Link's Awakening remake Zelda. Like like every couple of years, we'll get those alternating. And I I I dream of a schedule like that. <laughs> that would be fantastic, to be honest. And then maybe one throwback 3D one. I guarantee we're going to get Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD ported yep. up. I feel like yep. we're going to get that yeah. announcement. You know, like repeating the trend of good Wii U games getting ports up to Switch. Yeah, that, that... they're just going to shove it under the rug, pretend it didn't exist, and move on. <laughs> Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, exactly. And as I mentioned earlier, yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses. We'll probably get a demo of that there as well. Oh, yeah. That game comes, that game comes out soon in july yeah it has an actual release date doesn't it in july was it yeah pretty sure it's july no that sounds right i think it was this summer yeah so they'll definitely have that playable which is cool and yeah hopefully we'll get some animal crossing details very likely considering how long ago it was teased that animal crossing fan base is rabid and thirsty and they are a little bit mad (laughs) at how on how that mobile game went so i I think yeah switch animal crossing will (sighs) crowd goes wild kind of reaction yeah, it's going to win some folks over. And yeah, I mean, I wanted to try that board game one on the Wii U, but then it didn't perform well either, apparently, so I never invested in it. So yeah, they are definitely due to 
to bring people back in from uh, New Leaf. I mean, New Leaf was great, but how many people are of a, a dusty mayor's office at this point? <laughs> you want to talk about a game that has the MMO-like quality of just wasting unbelievable amounts of time. Oh, man. Animal Crossing will do it for you. Well, that's why it seems like it would have been natural to have it on the phone. But because of the version they did, it was more truncated. Like It, it was a bad version of a free-to-play model of game, and it didn't. It wasn't as fully featured as Animal Crossing fans wanted, so there was. it, it did not have a positive reception overall. But that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if we were to get a, an actual announcement for some more development into their mobile lineup and actually getting a fully-fledged port of Animal Crossing. Like... That wouldn't be surprising. Maybe not this E3, but sometime in the future. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Nintendo's mobile stuff is uh, doing extremely well. I mean, Fire Emblem Heroes and Pokemon Go basically print money, so they're not gonna. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not gonna abandon the mo- the mobile platform. But the Animal Crossing mobile game was a disappointment, and fans. What fans really want is Animal Crossing Switch, and I think we might be getting that at E3. I. Yeah, for sure. At the I, my guess would be a an announcement at the Nintendo. Uh, direct and 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 then a completely wild mm-hmm. reaction online is my guess yeah exactly and as i said earlier too i'm curious to hear more about town that cute little kind of rpg made by game freak in the rare instance of the yeah. doing a pokemon game which is even more exciting that it's going to have that pedigree behind it so you know it's going to be something solid and given what they've been playing with with uh, sword and shield which will uh you know they have a good engine to build all this sort of stuff in right it's looking similar but different in its way yeah, it looks cool. It it reminded me of a uh, you know uh, a sort of an open an open city uh, activity game like Tomodachi Life or uh, My Fantasy Life. What was it called? Yeah, or My Fantasy Life. It's something a little like that, which is you know could be really cool, and it's exciting seeing them doing a non-Pokemon game. Yeah, it'd be nice to see what they kind of do with the new IP for stuff outside of our coverage. But I'm excited to hear more about Luigi's Mansion Three and Super Metroid. Or not Super Metroid 4, Metroid Prime 4. Right. Because I want more Metroid in my life. Keelan, is there anything from Nintendo that you're stoked to, to get on your Switch aside from... Uh, or anything else, rather, aside uh, from what you mentioned? No. I mean, Fire Emblem Three Houses is the one that I'm the most interested in out of what we know is probably going to be touched upon. Which, that game is... I mean, it's... it's July is going to be such a busy month <laughs> for me. This summer, I think the last time I was on a podcast with you, Caitlin, like one of those thesis statements was this summer is going to be insane. It's insane. Yeah, we was like right after I think the direct, the two of you were on and we were just like, well, no one's going to have a life in the summer. Yep. Nope. But that's a good problem to have. makes me wish that I was like in academia because then I'd have the summer off. But instead you're giving out books. Yeah. And making sure people put the books back. As much as I can. Sometimes, you know, books go missing and then I feel, you know... I, I lose a little bit of hope for humanity every time that happens. <laughs> well, I meant to share it in, uh, in uh, the group for us that um, the Vancouver Public Library here back after... Um, I'm going to mention some Game of Thrones spoilers if for some reason you haven't watched the latest season. Just heads up, folks. The dragons eat a library? So, yeah, I was going to share with you that the Vancouver Public Library did uh, right after the episode where Arya took down the Night King of, like, shelving your books properly. So, like, she goes to put the book in improper and then drops it and grabs it with the other hand and puts it on the shelf a la Arya. And I was like, oh my gosh, Caitlin would appreciate this so much. I'll try and find it. Uh, it was so very perfect. on brand. It was. Um... That is, the, like, that's one of the bane of my existences is when, you know, like, I, I totally understand libraries that have a policy of don't reshelf things yourself because 
half the time people can't figure out even with a book that's like obviously numbered like this is volume number 15 they can't put it back in the right place sometimes they grab it from the top shelf they got it off the top shelf but they can't be bothered to put it back on the top shelf so they, they put it in a lower shelf and i'm just like why yeah it was the same issue for me why? being someone who worked in the grocery department of a place once and just the frustration of oh, someone who's yeah. like the can you put it on one shelf below to the right why couldn't you just put it back where you i don't understand you yeah and so i've definitely had partners in the past where like they'll decide halfway through shopping that they don't want something. And I was like, you are walking back six aisles and you're putting it back where you found it because of that yes. poor child that's going to have to sort it later. Do it. <laughs> Put that thing back where it came from or so help me. So help me. So Basically, help me. And if not then, then I'd be like, I will do it myself. And they just always think it's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm sorry. I remember being that 15 year old who hated my life. So <laughs> <laughs> what gets disorganized for you at work, Mike? Do people put sewers in the wrong places? You know, you say that. But kind of, yes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Once I went to do an, in- an inspection at a large university, which is not very good at paying their sewer bills, and it's like, okay, there's supposed to be three manholes here and one manhole there, and I'll go out to the site, and there are ten manholes there because they installed a bunch of sewer without telling us. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was very nice of them. doesn't totally mess up our data or anything. Nope. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, people don't turn off their water and sewer for the summer, so I, I don't get a summer break, unfortunately. No. Yeah, yeah you would not. I, I, I work, uh, yeah, for the uninitiated, I work in a public utilities office for uh, for my local And, company. I mean, not that I live there, but we thank you for it. Yeah. No, no, people don't care about sewer until it stops working, and I try to make sure it always stays working. Yeah. Don't want those floods happening. Oh, no. But moving on with E3, which is uh, also going to be flooded with good things. Ah, segue. Uh, that, 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 I'm sorry. The combination of that imagery didn't didn't work. <laughs> it's gonna be flooded. You went with from poop. you went from sewer flowing into E3. Now that's that's an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> I mean, depends on the quality of content we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got. I was reading. Uh, we were talking earlier about Bethesda having. Um, what were the two big titles you said? Starbound? No. Uh, Starfield and possibly Elder Scrolls Six. They were both confirmed to not be there, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Some additional yeah. weaving, so we won't be getting those. They were both briefly announced at at 20, in 2018, so I think we might get a glimpse of them at at the Bethesda conference. Okay, an- did, another, uh, another teaser, probably. Yeah, another another teaser, but then nothing on the show floor. Because I mean, like Elder Scrolls Six was basically just like. It ex- we're working on it. It's no, happening. Yeah, it wasn't even a logo. It was just it was just like the number six, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is, yeah, we might even just get that again, just like the intro screen and them just saying like, it's still happening. It's still happening. We'll get back to you. You don't get any details though. Yeah. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot coming from that and probably nothing else. Like I said, my, my pipe dream is hoping for an announcement of Dishonored 3, but they probably are so busy trying to fix the fire that is Fallout 76 yep. that... Yeah, they're going to be relying on other content like Wolfenstein and Doom and stuff to kind of be attraction. I would he say he wants to place bets on on how Todd Howard's going to try and spin Fallout seventy six. Probably yes, it's going to have a lot of don't worry shareholders. Here's how we're trying to fix it, and yeah, and that'll be basically their conferences. Look at all the new cool stuff that we're bringing to Fallout seventy six and the new expansions and yada yada or whatever. To try to fix I, I really wonder if the audience will boo if it, when that when that happens. We don't need to talk about how much of a trash fire that game was, but Bethesda has plenty to announce at their stuff. But not much in our coverage. Yeah, people would be most excited for Elder Scrolls Six, but we're not getting it. 
no, nothing's really going to come from that. But what we are going to get some cool stuff from most likely is CD Projekt Red. Yes. They have confirmed that it is going to be a demo. Yeah, it's going to be another behind closed doors behind demo. Behind closed doors, yeah. Just like, just like last year. So there will and hopefully be... hopefully we've got an appointment. We do, yeah. Um, we already have it assigned, in fact. I, I'm, I don't have it. But the... Uh, uh, just like last year, behind closed doors demo with materials to take home. There will definitely be pre- previewable stuff, but it's uh, not public, and it, which communicates to me that it's not coming out this year. It's I think it's probably a next gen consoles thing. Oh, yeah, but, I but, think but there... I think most of us are expecting at least yeah. 2020. Yeah, I I think that's very very uh, reasonable, and we are so we will get stuff, but it is behind closed doors only. Could you imagine if they were just trolling everybody and they were just planning to release it in 2077 <laughs> sure just playing the long game uh, sure sure yeah we we totally won't be out of renewable resources by then right I'm not sure if i'll be able to play i mean like I, I, who knows you know by that point will i even be able to play games like or will i be so decrepit that eh, i'll be a, i'll be ahead in a jar futurama style and i can at least watch let's plays We'll be downloaded into the internet at that point and just our bodies are gone and we're just collective consciousness. So you can just be everywhere and play everything. Mm-hmm. There was an episode of Batman like that. That sounds about right. <laughs> and there's Yeah, there's lots of cautionary <laughs> content <Yes>. about that. <laughs> uh, are you... Uh, you think you're going to be able to play some judgment on the floor there? Oh, that right? would be cool. Um, they had two Yakuza games on the floor last year and Sega Atlas always has demos. They, they, the problem is that Sega Atlas always doesn't get enough space so they're always crowded as hell the persona five year was insane you couldn't even breathe in that in their booth but uh i i think a judgment demo on the floor is extremely likely and i will be happy to play that because that game looks cool and then yeah we were also talking about borderlands 3 despite all the troubles the head of the company's having it still looks like it's a game that's on track so it might be playable there or at the very least we'll get some more stuff about it yeah mm-hmm um, yeah. that, that's something that might show up at the at the Microsoft press conference, even. That's a good point. Oh, that's yeah. fair, yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, Catherine Fullbody as well? Oh, maybe. Isn't that coming out soon? I can't remember if it's before or after, but yeah, I feel like it's the summer. Even if it is just before, uh, I'm sure that Atlas will have it playable. I, that's I mean, good business. <laughs> I mean, my dream is uh, is Persona 5 Royal playable, but that that's, that's not even coming out in Japan yet. Uh, and... I mean, Persona Q2 comes out right before E3, so they they might have a demo there. But even though it, it won't be, I mean, they, they have, there weren't going to be interviews about it because the game's the game will already be out. I think it comes out on uh, the Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the second. So people have a week with it, but yeah, it could be just for yeah. getting into players' hands because again, this year's mm-hmm. conference is open to everybody too. Again. Yeah, and and it's normal to have some games that recently came out on the show floor. That's that's. That that's commonplace, so it might be out there. But yeah, uh, Sega Atlas—they they always have demos available, and they always uh, we always take meetings with them. So we'll definitely um, be covering everything they have on the show. Nice. What's Ubisoft got for us? Uh, oh boy, going on this year. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, there was the hope for Beyond Good and Evil, but I think they had said that that's not happening, or maybe they are. No, I'm misremembering. Mm, Even if is... it is, it will probably just be another incremental update because they're not anywhere close to being even i don't i don't don't, you know even having like a a real window at this point that's fair i mean far cry 5 was 2018 and this the new far cry uh the the post-apocalyptic one that just came out uh new dawn right yeah yeah, oh no the one that just came out right well no no i think i think i think that i think it is new is it new dawn yeah i think it is okay i thought new dawn was the one that was 
they were talking about. No, so I think, well, they might be some New Dawn stuff. I, I thought it was already out, but it's possible it's coming out just soon. So I don't think there will be a new Far Cry 6 or a new Far Cry setting announced. Like, is is it a, is this year supposed to be an Assassin's Creed year, or I'm not, I really don't follow that franchise? Uh, apparently they're not this year. I okay. don't think so. And then it's a question if it would be a yes, RPG oh, or a yes, but, 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 Watch Dogs, they might. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, and did we cover that in the past? Um, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't so. think we. I don't think we did. It's a basically open world action, but... I mean, Assassin's Creed is moving closer to RPG territory. Uh, it's, yeah, and if it gets anything like Deus Ex or whatever, yeah, yeah. we fall under our, our radar. I think there were rumors about a, a Watch Dogs 3 that, that was taking place in Europe instead of North America. But I, uh, I Yeah, the the setting is supposed to be London, I believe. Oh, that would be cool. So that would be that would be neat if, if that was like a surprise and we got to see even like a teaser for that. That would be cool. That would be very neat. <laughs> make hack into Big Ben and make the clock go backwards. <laughs> uh. That'd be rude. Uh, it would. Uh, I don't know. I, there's not too much else I can think of from them. I mean, I wish they were doing more with like Child of Light and stuff again. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, see anything yeah, like that. you hear Ubisoft, got... and that's you think of a few things. And I mean, they can certainly surprise, though. We got that really cool two and a half years of like I want to say three Ubi art games. Uh, including Child of Light, but I, they've moved away from that in a way that's a little disappointing. I'm not, I'm not sure how much of a priority that kind of game is for Ubisoft yeah, anymore. If the team lead on that, the person who kind of like birthed it, if they moved on or what, I'm not sure. Yeah. Child of Light is cool though. It even has two episodes <laughs> really of Retro is. Encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter loves it. She's played it before a bunch as well. I think she said she beat it, or with her dad they beat it. I can't remember. But anyways, I need to go back to that game as well because I loved what I'd played, but then I just kind of fell off it because. Too much was going on at the time. It's good, and, it's, and you can you can probably beat it in less than twelve hours. It's not it's yeah. not it's not very long. Yeah, it's like a nice little art piece, so made to be digested easily, I guess. Uh, and then I guess the last big one that I can think of to talk about is Square Enix, and we know for sure we're going to get some Final Fantasy VII remake talk there. Mm-hmm. I really uh, hope there's like a substantial look at the game, like at, at yeah. gameplay. You think of like a behind the closed doors kind of thing again as well? Uh, it's not going to be on the floor, that's for sure. Probably not behind closed doors. Maybe a new trailer. Uh, there is a meeting that we're holding for key Square Enix Japanese title, uh, yet uh, un- unnamed as of right now. So, I don't know. Oh, yeah, and they recently dropped that one that everyone was anticipating, too. Uh, Rune? No. What did it, was it called? Oh, oh, oh got... pro- do you mean... No, that that wasn't Square Enix. Uh, uh, that I was that was. Uh, it was the one Hideo Baba was working on. Which, it might have been called Rune. Um, I can't remember. It was like it's called Rune, or I don't remember. But I thought that was sorry. I thought that was Square Enix. Apparently not. But uh, I was looking forward to more from that. But apparently okay, not. yeah. Uh, it it looks like it was Square Enix. Um, it, and oh, we, okay. we were both right. It's Hideo Baba, the former Tales of producer, joined Square Enix a couple of years ago, and uh, was working on a project called uh, Project Prelude Rune. But then Prelude it was. Rune. But then he left Square Enix uh, earlier this year, and is yeah. uh, and and looks like Prelude Rune is not happening. Just um, just run this back to Atlas for a second. I hope we get more Project Refantasy. That 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 thing looked amazing when they, when we oh, saw. Oh yeah, it. I was gonna say that. I feel like it. there was some other new IP from something that got announced recently. So that was. Better. But uh, uh, back back to Square. Uh, they gave us a teaser for a game last year called Babylon's Fall. That I think maybe we'll see more of that because like the art look when when uh, the announcement happened, people thought it might have been like a new Evilise game because of the way the art looked. We, we that we only saw a teaser of that, so my guess would be a tiny bit more of Babylon's Fall. And also, I'm excited to play some Shadowbringers on the show floor a few weeks before it comes out. 
Yeah, hmm. they'll probably they'll have a. I'm sure you'll be able a to fight a, a primal uh, event. Yeah. They usually do that, so you'll get to check out one of the new primals before the rest of us. And uh, you you should have seen how upset Mike and Liz were last year. They they were they tried to if you beat the primal you got a T-shirt I think. Yeah. And they couldn't do it because they were always because you know primals are fought in groups of eight and they would always be six it would, six of the people in the group of eight would be non-players. So. Yeah. Didn't know what they were <laughs> so, doing. Yeah. So that yeah. was me at PAX. But I felt so bad. There was a group that were matched up with Annette and I. And we're both like we're sorry. We just wanted to try it out. And, and they were definitely like gunning for it, and like it was a good wait, and you knew like they're probably not going to get back in line, and I felt so bad. I just feel that that's like it's cool that they had that challenge. I just wish they also had at this fourteen booths, just regular gameplay where you could just run around the field just to give people who are who've never played it before an actual like easy to digest experience of what the game is. It's not just like you're in this fight that you don't understand the mechanics of. Good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, just to kind of showcase it a bit better, I, it'd be nice. That's kind of like what it's like fighting a primal on day one, because you know people haven't gotten to it yet to get to put up the online how-to guides. <laughs> so, yeah. Like like a day uh, sometimes day one new content in an MMO is a bit of a clown fiesta, but uh, we'll yeah. I mean, I, I'm gonna at least line up and try to play some Shadowbringers, but I'm not optimistic about clearing whatever event, whatever task they yeah. have set before Unless us. Unless you have <laughs> seven other friends who you know are gonna go for it. Yeah. And they'll have a live letter, too, uh, at E3. Oh, right. I mean, I'll, I'll maybe get some more details about the battle system changes. It's like, oh my god, why are you just sitting there punching? Don't you know how monk positional rotations work? Ugh, noobs. Yeah, that, that, that'll, be, that'll be me. That, that'll be me. <laughs> you have two and a half whole seconds. Oh my god. Oh, gosh. Uh, we'll probably get some Dragon Quest Eleven playable, I'm guessing, on the floor oh, yeah. of the Switch. Mm, uh, uh, yeah, Switch version. Uh, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S. Yeah, I, I think it's 11S, and also Dragon Quest uh, Builders 2 will probably be yeah, up there. Yeah, I'm so excited for that, mm-hmm. and that'll be th- something. Oh, backing up for a second to Nintendo, again, outside of our coverage, but I just really want them to announce a new Pikmin for the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I want more Pikmin for my life. When was Pikmin 3? It wasn't that long ago, was it? I feel like we're coming up on five years of it now. Five? Maybe. Wow, okay. Five, six years? It's, it was one of, like, the... It was in the... I want to say the second or third year of the Wii U's life cycle. Okay, I... I... I am not a Pikmin player. My my guess would have been four years ago, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, it's maybe 2013. We're... Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, yeah maybe so, we are. Yeah. Maybe we are due for a new Pikmin. Right. Yeah. I was hoping last year, but they didn't. So maybe this year. Who knows? And uh, um, for Square Enix, again, super pipe dream. My if I they were to revive Seventh Saga, it would make my life. What? <laughs> uh, I love Seventh Saga. I love the concept. I I also love Seventh Saga, but I mean that's a. Uh... I mean that's a produced game from the early '90s that which was published by Enix, but that I mean, yeah. geez, that they haven't, they, there has I they mean, haven't touched it in ages. Well, well no, they, they haven't touched anything made by Produce since they came out. Like uh, there was also that uh, uh, oh shoot, something Brain was one of their games. Uh, but like, like I mean, I I love Seven Saga. I have I'm the only human I have met that has ever beaten that game because the the end game of that is insane. But uh, and it's it's a good. It's SNES, on my bucket list. It's on a SNES. Uh, it's 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 a good SNES RPG that is weird and deep. And I we even did a podcast episode about Produce two years ago, uh, Rob Fenner and I. But oh yeah, I, I remember that. I would be I would be shocked. That, that, that would that would shock me more than anything else we've talked about today. If Seventh oh me S- too. But that's just my like that's my like pipe dream. If they mention Seventh Saga, I will I will I will die on the spot because probably happy <laughs> yeah not no confused i'm not sure about happy uh i mean if we're talking about if we're talking about pipe dreams i mean 
for me, it's I don't know how weird do you want to get uh, Mega Man X Nine. <laughs> you think that'll be your uh, your Capcom announcement? If that's my, if that's the Capcom announcement, then maybe I will die happy because that is <laughs> because I uh, I I really liked Mega Man Eleven. In a way, Mega Man Eleven. Uh, reminded me of how much I love Mega Man because it was great, but also reminded me of the limitations of Mega Man because I beat it in like two and a half hours. Like, if Mega Man 11 was financially successful, and I hope it was, then that could possibly mean more Mega Man X or more Mega Man Legends in our future, and I would a thousand percent welcome that. Yeah, if they brought back Legends, would be another uh, blast yeah. from the past. So it would shock yeah, everyone. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, like, if we're talking about Square Enix Dreams, uh, unrelated to Mega Man. I mean, maybe a, a new game in the Ogre Saga would really, uh, Russell, would oh, really yeah. get me excited. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if even they just wanted to bring up the uh, one of the like remaster one of the um, the older ones too. I don't know, but I would love to see them bring Let Us Cling together, or not Let Us Cling together. Persons of Lord or Cloud that were. Yeah, the only one that has a remaster is Let Us Cling together. So if they if they rema- if they remastered March of the Black Queen or or Person of Lordly Caliber, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I'd be down. Oh, speaking of remasters, there was a thing that we teased on Instagram, or whatever, that they might finally be bringing the 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 Mana trilogy over uh, oh. to English audiences. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, be amazing. Second Intensity Three is one of my favorite games of all time. And playing a legit English copy of that would make my life. Oh yeah, that that'd be that'd be awesome. That game, I could talk about that game for a whole podcast. Have you? <laughs> uh, we we did a Mana episode where I talked about yeah. SC Three a lot, but not a dedicated SC Three episode. No. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a future idea. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, sure. I'd be down. If it, yeah, if it gets over there, I'm on that episode of Retro in a heartbeat. Right. Uh, I we've avoided having a direct episode of it because the only way to play it legally in English, yeah. uh, there's no way to play it legally in English. Exactly, and it's not in our, not in our yeah, codes of conduct, so to speak, for the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things, what we got out there? There's that. Uh, did you mention the Outer Worlds? One we talked about it in the pre-show, but no, yeah, no, yeah that, that's the. Uh, I'd expect be... to see that because yeah, it's no, supposed no, to be it's... coming out this year. Yeah, they, we are. We have a meeting for it, so it's definitely going to be at the show. Okay, uh, cool. And it's a, it's a, it's by Obsidian Studios, the people that did Fallout, New Vegas, and the uh, oh shoot, Kotor uh, Two, and and Kotor Two and, Pillar, and Pillars of Eternity. But this is going to be a first-person sci-fi open-world RPG single-player, and the tr- the teaser from last year looked really, really cool. So. Yeah, more. Yeah, that was a great surprise. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it at all, and I, 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 I was immediately like, okay, I want that. So I'm looking forward to learning more about that game. It looks super, super cool. So I, uh, I'm also looking forward to that. And I, and I don't, I'm not like I haven't played any of those previous games I've mentioned besides the first Pillars of Eternity, but I'm excited to play it. Yeah, they. I really want to play Pillars. I've owned it for a while, but again, it's just sitting in my backlog of things to get to. But it's so cool looking. I need to get back to Pillars. It's um. It uh, is one of those, it's like one of those classic Eternity Engine games, except it doesn't play like garbage. <laughs> right? Yeah, I've gotten to a standstill right now in Baldur's Gate, and I want to go back to it. But yeah, this just seems like, if I can play that but streamlined, I'm in. Uh, what do we got? Bandai Namco, there's that Dragon Ball RPG I forgot about. Oh, no. Yeah, that we may or may not hear about. And then, of course, they've got Code Vein. Is yeah, Bandai the... involved with, no, Dragon Quest, but wasn't there talk about Dragon Quest Online 11, whatever it is, or 10? Uh, overseas as well. Oh, I I don't know. I haven't heard that rumor. Finally, um, I heard that. I it wouldn't. Remember. It wouldn't be Bandai. It would be Square Enix. No, it's not. It, that'd be Square Enix. You're right. The, I'm just mincing my people. They there was an extended version or an extended demo of Code Vein that just came out that I think let you do a character creation. 
And so people were, you know, sharing their anime girls and boys on on Twitter a couple of days ago, as of when we're recording. So I, I, I would more Code Vein stuff would make sense. I, I yeah, mean, my hope, my hope would be for a Tales announcement. Yeah. We haven't had a new Tales game on console since Berseria in the first month of 2017, so we are definitely due for at least a teaser of one. But we we were talking at, during the pre-show that the Namco Tales Festival is the weekend after E3, so. An announcement either at E3 or at that festival just after E3. Either, either of those. Makes sense, yeah, yeah. E- yeah, either of those would work. Mm-hmm. And then you were saying also, yeah, Trails of Cold Steel will likely be playable out there. Cold Steel the 3, wild. yeah. They, yeah. I think they've confirmed that they're going to have an E3 demo. Yeah. Yeah, that would be at the NIS America booth. And, got, and Dying Light 2, something. I want to see more of that game. I really to. do. Yeah. Our news guy, Trent, did the demo for that last year, and he was really excited by it. So, yeah. Really nice to see how it's grown. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, who wants to drive some forklifts in Shenmue 3? Uh, who <laughs> wants to look for some sailors? Who wants to pet a cat? I can pet a cat in Dragon Quest Eleven, so I'm good. Right? And dogs, right? Yep, yeah, you can pet you the cats both. and dogs. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I don't know, Shenmue 3, Shenmue in, in its entirety is largely off my radar. I only know vaguely anything about it because of our brief stint with the um the staying gaming video we did on it and like watched a bunch of gameplay of that but <laughs> people love this esoteric slice of life game and it's finally being made but we haven't heard anything since it was teased way back when what was it e3 2017 uh, or 16 oh boy sounds right i don't remember yeah, it was some one of those two years that they kind of blew the roof off with it it might have been the 2015 show where they renounced oh, ff7 remake Oh yeah, you're right. It was because there's two big. That was one of the big mind blowers. Yeah, was, I think, I think it was 2015. But my my first E3 was 2016, so I didn't see it. Hmm. Uh, well, speaking of Square Enix, I wanted to jump back for a second too because I had that again that wonder of like, do you think there's any way, even with the same thing, that they'll do the the stupid let's announce this way too early and just even do a teaser title screen of like Final Fantasy 16 and just say it's I works? really hope not. Right. I, I really hope that they have learned their lesson with 15 and Kingdom Hearts to not do that. But then again, it's kind of becoming their MO. So my, my guess, my guess is no, but I mean, the, again, they have a, they have a precedent for it as, as Caitlin's mentioned. No kidding. Uh, well, we got a lot to look forward to either way. It's going to be an exciting couple of weeks watching the coverage i'm really I'm, I'm wondering if we might hear anything about dragon age oh right that's one we didn't cover with um whatchamacallums like i don't think it would be anything substantial because it, it seemed um, from when they announced it that it's still very early in development but it'd be cool if we could learn even a little bit that's right i forgot about ea i think ea doesn't have a conference this year but they will be at the show I think. And they'll probably announce some stuff through, again, through Microsoft. Yeah, through Microsoft or, or through another conference. Um, we know that Dragon Age 4 is being worked on, but we don't really know if it's, like, how ready they are to show anything about it. I, I mean, I love the Dragon Age series, uh, and I put a lot of hard time into Inquisition when that, the year that came out, so I would be... And, and I'm invested in the world a little bit, especially if I get to murder a certain character from, th- from Inquisition. <laughs> Yeah. In Dragon yes. Age 4. I'm with you on that. He needs to die. Yeah, definitely a spoiler, but Caitlin knows exactly who I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, I would be excited about Dragon Age 4 news. I would pl- probably try and play that game day one, but I have no earthly idea if it's going to be at E3 or not. It'd be a great surprise if it was, but, yeah. yeah. And do you think they're going to have any sort of, like, uh, like a path to how to, again, fix Anthem? Do you think that's going to show up? Oh, boy. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, well, I don't know. Like, or at least you're showing off the next big installment in it. That's that that probably is more likely than Dragon Age, I suppose, because it is obviously something that they're 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 working on, they're developing for. I'm just wondering if the goodwill is kind of past with that, um, and if they might be better served by focusing on on other stuff. But I mean, if it's something exciting, like um, I'm gonna be completely honest, I had not been super following it closely, but uh, there's still like the the whole. The raid that they want to add for the game. I'm not sure that that, I don't think that has happened yet. Uh, so maybe some details on, on what that's going to be. And if it's something really cool, uh, maybe. There's also, there was, there was, there was the briefest tease at the end of Anthem that, you know, for like an expansion down the road of story content. Um, and they did want to sort of have it be a, uh, a living, continuing, you know, MMO-like story with six, with more content as we go. So maybe they'll surprise us and there'll be like the next planned uh, batch of story content, which obviously will, you know, be down the road a bit, but still, that could, that could be yeah. maybe. A roadmap wouldn't be on what it is. I think that yeah. I think that E3 wants to forget Anthem the same way Bethesda wants to forget Fallout 76. So I, I would be surprised if there was more Anthem stuff. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. Um, I'd also, not from Bioware or EA, but I'd be very interested to see if we have any more information about Grand Blue Fantasy. Oh, yeah. And the didn't the Grand Blue fighting game just come out? Uh, versus, I think, or we at least we, there was something in the news about that very recently. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, the closed beta just launched a, a week yeah. ago. Yeah. And so, and there, you can even find YouTube videos of uh, some well-known people in the fighting game community playing Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. So yeah, th- that's what I had heard of earlier this week. It looks really cool what they showed, uh, what we've seen. That sort of little demo story chunk that they showed looked, it looked pretty and interesting. And I have, I don't know, have any background with this game, the series whatsoever. So it's all kind of like new to me which is that's kind of cool in this day and age of like sequels and the next entry and the the x series like something like this where i have absolutely no history with or background with and it's all fresh could be really cool although i mean there was the sad news about well not the sad news but i guess we need clarification because there's the talk about platinum no longer being involved with the game or having finished their work or we don't quite know what's going on there I, I don't know a lot about Grand Blue Fantasy, uh, but the it looks like that the the creator of it did leave at one point. But it also has a it's one of the most successful gacha games in Japanese history. It's been yeah. download, it's been downloaded over twenty million times. Um, so yeah, ha- having the uh, uh, having the console game, which is called Relink, I think. Yeah. And and the fighting game, which is coming, uh, which is called Versus, and coming out later this year, like. We are going to be seeing more and more Grand Blue very soon, but I don't. Uh, but the Grand Blue console RPG, I, I think it's a little too far off to really know much about it. But yeah, but but you're right. Um, Platinum Games left the project in early 2019, but the, they were not the only developer. It was a uh, it was Psy Games working together with Platinum. Well, the wording of that announcement was kind of vague. I don't know that we ever got clarification well, about. Uh, the article I'm looking at says that it was originally it was Psy Games and Platinum Games working together, and Platinum Games left the project in early 2019. So right, but I mean, does that mean 
as in scrapped, or they're going to continue to use what Platinum developed up to that point and just do the um, rest of it? I don't know. It, the project is not scrapped, but in terms no, of... No, I know the, that. Yeah, I just yeah, mean... Yeah, it, the, the work that they did, I have no idea. Is it going to be a Final Fantasy VII remake f- uh, fiasco where, you know, Square said bye-bye to their third-party partner and we don't know what's going on they had to remake and redo everything or is it just like they have they can use what what has been developed thus far and take it from there i don't think we have that information it, lo- it looks like that uh they were right that's bit- that's yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> i am saying we don't have that information and, and i would like more information clarification and- an update yeah uh, also, speaking of updates, um, when I was just kind of checking in on it, Anthem isn't going to be in EA, EA's uh, broadcast at all. No. But uh, they just did a live stream yesterday, Bioware themselves, and they talked about the Cataclysm. So they had a live stream that was giving all the new updates. So mm. they have like an eight-week Cataclysm event going on that has like, new wow. missions, a new system with scoring, inversions, and leaderboards, and um, some pre-event stuff, and a new power and new rewards coming in, and a bunch of new loot. You know, so, it's telling that they did that, and I'm not really. I, I don't. I did not hear anything about that from any of the places that I frequent with with game news. So. Yeah, exactly. This was uh, uh, true. Yeah, it's so. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess they're still trying to. Bioware is working hard on it on their end, but EA is not willing to completely open up about it. I guess. Oof. But all that being said, we've got a lot of fun stuff. It sounds like to play and look forward to. Um, I've given my wildest speculation. Do you two feel that you've had your wildest prediction speculation that you don't think will be met, but you'd be jaw-dropped if it did? Okay, pers- Okay, I, I, I know I keep circling back to Capcom. Darkstalkers 4 is the game they announced at Microsoft. <laughs> there we go. Mm. Um, well, mine absolutely will not happen because Sony's not there, but mine would be a Horizon sequel. Yeah, I would be down for a Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. I think someone certain. someone accidentally mentioned that it's being worked on, but we don't know anything about yeah, that. Did we talk about? I think we talked about maybe, this last maybe, time, right? That's how I learned maybe about it. Was did, on the last yeah. episode, you were chatting about how it was dropped by one of the actors. That yeah. there's yeah. there's stuff out there. Mm, there's no but no, no official confirmation, but we all we all knew based on how well the game did that there was totally going to be another game that they were going to continue. Yeah, it's, it, it's not a, it's not a surprise that it's going to get a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But I can't wait all the same. Well, exactly. It's just, it's going to be awesome. I'm getting back to it now. I only took a break while I was doing Druidstone for review, which is, which I didn't talk about earlier, but that's the game I'm playing. It's real neat strategy RPG. My review will be going up for it soon. I'll probably talk about it next episode. Yeah, I've, I plan to go back to Horizon Zero Dawn once I'm done with that. <laughs> I was, after playing Breath of the Wild for so long and going back to Horizon, my brain was very messed up trying to regrasp the mechanics and I was getting my <laughs> butt handed to me left, right, and center by watchers and just could not grasp how to dodge things. That was awful. At any rate, I have a lot of ground to make up in that place since I just got to the um, that second major area where you get uh, the Kartha. Is that the, the tribe? Um, they're all like red and the white headdress kind of thing and they live in like the kind of castly towers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh God, it's been forever since I played the game. I need to right. go back to it. But I got to that, that area and it's all kind of like dusty desert canyons and stuff like that. So yeah. that's the region I'm in at the moment. Super pretty. So I'm excited. It is. It's all, ugh, uh, any rate. Uh, so yeah, we got a lot to look forward to with E3 from the 7th to the 14th next uh, coming weeks and i'm sure we'll have lots of stuff going on that we want to try doing with the video team too some more kind of reactions and 
they'll probably have again a live Twitch reaction discussion with Scott. I think we did that last year as well. So we should be uh, keeping up on that, and you can come check in with us on our thoughts and everything, and we'll have a definite post-E3 uh, podcast as well. I think the podcast will probably take a break until after E3, because everything is going to be pretty up in the air, I think, with people being at E3 and all that stuff. So Yeah, we recorded the podcast during E3 last year, but I'm not sure if we'll have the equipment or the wherewithal to do it this time. But yeah, but yeah, there, there will be podcasts about and content about E3 like throughout the whole month. Exactly. We'll we'll be on top of it as we always are, and I am. I don't know. I love that part of the summer and just looking forward to catching announcements, especially since I'm in a good place where I'm free during the day, so I can definitely catch a lot of that stuff. But I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, before we go, I wanted to say thanks to one of our Discord users, End of Pie. I'm not going to go too much into it, but him and I just had a nice chat. He reached out to me about having a kid and stuff playing video games, and we just had a real nice talk about that, and that's really cool and i welcome anyone who wants to ask me questions chat with me about anything and i'm sure i can say the same with you two you're happy to be talked at about games i think caitlin you're a lot more active on discord than i am about a lot of stuff and mike possibly as well i check in when i can but uh i'm around just i mostly just yell at people for being morons in the sports channel of discord (laughs) so i'm not i'm not i'm not the most active or or constructive discord user i'm afraid Talk to me about Final Fantasy XIV. Talk to me about Falcom. Yeah. Talk to me about, about Mass Effect. Commiserate with me about Mass Effect. <laughs> oh, there we go. If we got a new Mass Effect uh, tease, you would... Oh, that's not happening. <laughs> no. The best, the best possibility is maybe they finally announce support to P- for PS4 for the trilogy. Like, maybe. Uh- Speaking of things that rhyme with T's, uh, yeah, we got some more East 9 details oh, a couple days, right. days ago. Right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't, that's not going to be at E3. That game's not out in Japan until later this year. Yeah, I, I want more information on that because the, the action looks super smooth and the characters look strange but interesting. It, every every character has like some horn or claw or monstrous feature that f- factors into gameplay somehow. And, I'm gonna, and that's, you know... There has not been an East game like this before, so I'm excited to see more from this. Yeah. Um, what, do we know? Do we have a, is there a release date on it? Uh, it's this fall in Japan. No idea outside of Japan. All right, I'm going to do my best to play an East game by the time that comes out, so that way at least I can have an East conversation with you when that game comes out and know what's going on. Have an EC conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. Like East one and two are about three to four hours each. Uh, Origin, well, you, you bought me one. So yeah, I'm like, Origin, that's the one. Origin and Felgana are eight to ten hours each, and Felgana's probably Felgana's probably the one I got you. I think that's when you got me. Yeah, yeah. I'm eager to play them. I just again too Fel- many things to go on. Felgana's a good starting point. We did two episodes of it on Retro Encounter a month ago. You did. Ayo. Um, just about to plug that, actually, because uh, uh, as we close out things, I was going to say, aside from on Discord, people can reach us at podcast at RPGfan.com. Right now, uh, I've got three emails in my inbox, and it's uh, three updates telling me that there's spam. So please give me <laughs> constructive stuff uh, that I like hearing. Again, we've had some feedback on some of the episodes before, and it's just great hearing from you folks, and I love giving you shout-outs, and feel free to hit me up with questions there or on the Discord and everything else. And then, yeah, we have other podcasts. We have that good old Retro Encounter, which did just covered East. Chrono Cross was a recent episode. Then there was that awesome quiz show. And then what did you say you had on the horizon, Mike? Right. Well, everything I've been playing recently that isn't Final Fantasy XIV is for the podcast. We have an episode on Castlevania Symphony of the Night coming soon. An episode on Until Dawn coming soon. 
episodes on Wild Arms 3 coming in July and episodes on Redacted uh, coming in, in <laughs> com- coming in August that I think, Caitlin, you and I are both going to be on those in August. Yes. I wonder what it could be. Yeah, we are not – I'm not saying what it is, but uh, the listeners might be able to figure it out. You know, Redacted is one of my favorite games. I especially mm-hmm. appreciate when Redacted Redacted happens and Redacted Redacteds. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. I am looking forward to, yeah, more – more podcast excitement. I think I'll be on one at some point coming up too, uh, which is also redacted. So we have some cool stuff to look forward over there. And then as always at RPG Fancom, you can find us on Twitter and Insta. Uh, that's where I found out about this whole secret of manatees, right? Uh, Steph and the team are on top of a lot of good stuff and keep us in the know. And I love seeing uh, Steph's catered artwork to it. What she did for like the quiz show was rad. <laughs> Yeah, Steph's art assets that she makes for the website are always a big, a big highlight. She's the best. Yeah. Thanks, Steph. Shout out to you. Love you. And shout out to both of you for being on the episode with me yet again. It's been nice getting back to you, kind of a, the regular, you know, subjects that I have on here. And thanks for making the time to come chat with me. Hey, it was Monster Hunter, Final Fantasy XIV, East. That's all my favorite things to talk about. It was, it was easy. Thank you. Lots of crazy speculation. I'm always good for that. And I'm usually wrong. Right, yeah. I, I don't even want to play that game. I was not expecting to even think about the Seventh Saga on this podcast. <laughs> so, I, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I would love to even like do a retro on that sometime. I know you talked about it, like the yeah. you said, the developer. But it would be fun to actually do a an actual retro encounter on that and see how many of us actually succeed. Well, the problem <laughs> is like a retro encounter on that would imply that one of us would have to, that we would have to finish the game. And I don't think I have the stamina to do that, to do that anymore. Like it's, <laughs> I, I beat the game once brute forcing it by using the fast forward option on a, on a redacted very, very often. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, yeah, that game is cool and, uh, and I love it, but it's also weird and challenging and I don't know how, pract- yeah. I don't know how practical it would be to revisit it on a podcast, but yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, and also the, the dwarf elf combo is the best. Ooh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the discussion I'm going to get into with you another time. Anyways, whole other discussion. We should close this out cause it's getting long. So thank you everybody for listening, uh, for myself, for Caitlin, for Mike, have a good one. Goodbye everybody. See ya. I'm good. (laughs) I want to keep that in. Thank you. All right. Okay. We are random 165 with Sarah, Michael, Solosi. Okay, cool. Yep, yep, yep. Random encounter. Oh, shit. The oh, episode.